Tonight's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network brought to you as always by ZipRecruiter. You know it's not smart. Um, expecting to have a fun drive in LA when it's raining. God, people are dumb here. It's unbelievable. You wouldn't believe it. You honestly wouldn't. You know what else isn't smart? Job sites that overwhelm you with tons of the wrong resumes. Luckily, there's a smart way at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. They find people with the right skills for your job. They actively invite them to apply right now. My listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Also brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event or concert or holiday event or drinking at the dark room with nephew Kyle. Oh, that's not eligible yet. Yeah, SeatGeek hasn't put that in. But for everything else, use promo code BS, download the SeatGeek app, or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're brought to you by House of Carbs. That's Joe House's eating podcast. I am on there this week talking about um, how to gain as much holiday weight as possible, as well as great Korean food and uh, my ideal Italian restaurant. That's happening. I think we're postponing the rewatchables until next week. We just had too many podcasts today. We had like nine... Nine ringer podcast today. Kyle just broke the chair. Um, so I think that's going to be uh, early next week. We're running the firm. And then uh new ringer podcast is called winging it with Vince Carter, Kent Bazemore, Annie Finberg. That is happening right now. Um, two ringer podcasts were selected by Apple as two of their best of 2018. One of them I am on the rewatchables. Um, which I love very dearly. I like the rewatchables more than this podcast, which has my name in it somehow. It's become my uh, it's, it's become my mistress, but now I now my heart's with the mistress. That's not true. I love this one too. I don't I don't want you to think that. I love you both. Uh, so anyway, the rewatchables one, and then the Dave Chang show, that one won as well, and uh, uh, for for uh, Apple's best of 2018. So thanks for spreading the word for that one. But honestly, we had a bunch of podcasts this year that I thought could have qualified for that. We had an awesome year at the Ringer Podcast Network. Coming up, we're going to do some NFL picks. And then uh, a long conversation with director Jason Reitman about his new movie, The Front Runner, and um, and just movies in general and sports movies and a whole bunch of stuff. He's He came on the BS Report a few times back in the day and is one of my favorite guests to talk movies with. So that is all coming up first our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, last week, the Million Dollar Picks finally took a hit. It happened because of the Bears of Chicago who could not finish off the Giants of New York, they gave up a long pass to Odell Beckham. They tied the game late, went into OT. They were favored in the live betting. They still somehow blew it. So anyway, I lost $1.78 million last week. The good news is I'm still up over $5 million. I'm up $5.02 million, show house. And I have some more good news. I love this week's slate. And I'm, I'm winning money. Last week, I didn't like it. And if I learned a lesson last week, it was this. Just stay away. If you don't like the slate, just stay away. Hold on to your $6.8 million nest egg. Don't mess around. I do like this week. House, do you like this week? You just checked out the slate. 
Yeah, there are, there are a bunch of tasty morsels here. Last week was a classic, you know, the, the dogs had their day. Yeah. Uh, and it felt like it was coming. You and I were together right around the Thanksgiving slate, and I thought the dogs were coming on in connection with the Thanksgiving slate. That didn't play up. Dogs 10 and 6 last week, and, and I'm with you. When you're, when you're a multimillionaire like you are, Bill Simmons, uh, sometimes it's okay to just sit and let the interest churn along. Right. I should have just let the interest on the 6.78. Compound the interest, bro. I love the underdogs this week as well, and we're going to get to them. We did, we're in the same picks pool. I did the picks. I think I picked like 13 underdogs out of the 16. It just really feels like an underdoggy kind of week, but that's not where I'm going with the tease. I'm winning a million dollars on this tease. I'm putting $1.1 million to win a million. Or do you think I should up it a little, Kyle? What do you think? Should I get a little it's frisky? It's the holidays. Yeah, we got some Christmas yeah, gifts up it a little bit. You know what? I'm going to up it a little bit, Joe House. Let's do, uh, let's go one point. Uh, we'll do 1.33 to win 1.2. How does that work? How do I win $1.2 million? Uh, 1.32 to win 1.2 million. On this tease, the first piece, the New England Patriots, they're only laying seven and a half. I'm going to tease them down to one and a half, and here's why. Miami has is six and six this year. First of all, do, do you want to live in a world where Miami is seven and six house? Does that make any sense to you? Does that world make sense? <laughs> well, well, not only does it not make sense, but I, I wonder if you have some of the stats that I've looked at in connection with the Dolphins' offense last week. I do, Well, I'm going to throw this at you. They have six yeah, of the six wins this year. They've beaten the Jets twice. Congratulations. They beat Tennessee in week one during a six-hour weather delay. That was just bizarre. They beat John Gruden's Oakland Raiders. They barely beat Buffalo last week. And if you watch that game, Josh Allen, if his pass had gone one more yard, uh, they win the game. And then they beat the Bears in OT, which is their one big win. But I watched that game. I had money on the Bears. And Trubisky threw a touchdown and put them up 14. Got called back on a penalty, threw a pick the next play. It was one of the dumbest games I've ever lost money on. My point is Miami's not good. They have played three potential playoff teams. The Bears were one. They uh, got smoked by the Patriots. They got smoked by Houston. They are 21st in DVOA. New England is eighth. The only real case for them is that for whatever reason, Tom Brady has been mediocre in Miami. He is seven, eight, seven and eight in his career. He's actually seven and nine, but there was one game where it was like week 17, they took him out after a quarter. I don't count that one. But he's basically been but, a 500 QB there. It is going to be a little humid. I just think Miami's terrible. I would be shocked if New England didn't jump at the chance to clinch the AFC East to knock them around a little bit. I like the way they looked last week. As you know, I don't think they're the greatest team. But they do have the guy, the weapons are healthy. They're getting a pass rush now. Everyone's on the same page. The coaching has been spectacular. The only fear I have with this one is that Pittsburgh is looming in a week. And I wonder if they do the Milton Berlhammer and just pull out just enough to win, which I hate when they do that. What do you think, House? Well, with one and a half points, that is just enough to win. That's literally yeah. just enough to win. Yes. I have two stats for you related to Miami's offensive performance last week, which was truly offensive. How many third <laughs> down conversions do you believe the Miami Dolphins achieved last week in their victory over the Bills? Uh, how many? The answer is two. They had That's a total bad. of, let's play an over-under game. 
Yeah. Let's set the over under uh, at 185 yards for the Dolphins in total offensive yards gained from line of scrimmage. If if I told you the over under is 185, what would you take? Oh God. I over. Well, you would be wrong. They 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 amassed 175 yards total. That Miami offense is 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 I I'm 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 at a loss for an adjective for how bad it is. How about putrid? I love the Patriots in this position. Putrid well, is 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 great. Here here's where I would go with Miami. Fantasy playoffs are this week. What Miami Dolphin is starting on your fantasy team in the fantasy league playoffs? Here's the answer. None of them. They are 22nd offensively in DVOA and 22nd defensively in DVOA. They are a below average team. They're fifth in special teams in DVOA, but that's fine. The Patriots have great special teams. I'm not worried about this one. Pats win by three or more. I'm putting them with the Chiefs of Kansas City. Oh, the Chiefs, this is interesting. The Chiefs are laying six and a half to the Ravens. Yes. They're home. They've had a week to shake off the uh, abominable Kareem Hunt fiasco. To me, this comes down to a word that I like to use called math. I don't know if you've heard that word, House. Math. Math. Oh, interesting. Yeah, sometimes I like to look at numbers. I'm known to do that. And people like to look at advanced metrics. And I can give you the advanced metric case. Like the Chiefs are number one in DVOA. They're a very good football team. They need this football game. They don't have a lot of margin for error. They're home. But this comes down to math for me. Here they are, their last eight games. Here's the amount of points they've scored. 30, 45, 40, 30, 37, 26, 51, 40. It's their last eight games. Here's Baltimore in their last eight games. 9, 21, 23, 21, 16, 21, 34, 26. I don't know if you noticed, House, but the numbers in the Chiefs column were consistently higher than the numbers in the Ravens column. Higher. Okay, I'm with you. Higher. They can score more points than the Ravens. Now, here's here's another thing about the Ravens. The Lamar Jackson thing is adorable. It really is. It's adorable. I'm rooting for him. I th- I think he's I think he's uh I think he's competent. He's given them a little identity. He's given them a little fire. He's not Joe Flacco's corpse. I, I get all of it. Um they're they're three big wins with Lamar. They beat the Bengals by three. The Bengals have no players left. The Bengals are just the entire team's on IR. Yeah, everyone's on IR except for Joe Mixon. They beat I don't the, believe the Bengals are gonna win another game this season, unfortunately. They're not. And they hired Hugh Jackson. Uh, they beat Oakland by 17. Congratulations on that one. Congrats. Congrats, Baltimore. And then last week, beat Atlanta by 10 in a game in Atlanta, in a game that I actually felt like, um, if you watched it, like Lamar missed some throws. Atlanta is not good defensively, and Atlanta, Baltimore's defense was able to handle them enough in the whole thing, but... I'm just not convinced Baltimore is the kind of team that can put up the 30-plus that they need. Lamar on the road. We have three weeks of tape with Lamar. They don't necessarily need this game. To throw away this game, they're 7-6, and six, but they still have the last three, Tampa at the Chargers, home for Cleveland. It's a must-win, but it's not a must-win. And it's actually a must-win for the Chiefs. I think they need to get their shit together. They uh they barely won last week against the Raiders. The Raiders were like really in that game and moving the ball. 
And uh and the Chiefs now they're 10 and 2. The Chargers are kind of lingering. They're a week away. They still have to play at Seattle. They need the win. I think they win by a point, right? They're not going to lose to Baltimore and Arrowhead. What do you think, House? Well, that that's exactly right. Now you're teasing them down from six and a half all the way down to just a half a point, yeah, right? Win by a point. So you're you're you you just need them to win. And the only thing that 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 uh, would be a cause for concern, a reason to tap the brakes, um, would be p- trying to play Kansas City at the number. But you're not doing that. You're taking them down in this tease. the 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 reason for concern: the Chiefs are 32nd in the NFL in rush defense. They yes. allow more than five yards per attempt. It's not great. And the Ravens are going to rush the ball the way they have the past three weeks, averaging over 200 yards on the ground. Each week, I don't like that that much. The, the effect of that, for the purposes of uh, Kansas City, it, I mean, for the purposes of of, of uh, Kansas City's offense going up against the Baltimore defense, which is very good, there that's a ball control kind of thing for for Baltimore. I get it. It's but, the, it's the Giants' Pat Super Bowl recipe. The the Ravens are basically going to try to keep the Chiefs' defense on the field, and. I would actually believe in this, and I would think they would run the ball down their throats, but the Chiefs are actually going to be ready for that. They're going to make Lamar Jackson have to make plays, and I, I just don't think he's quite ready yet. I don't think he's ready. They're, they're going to be like, fine, you're not running the ball. Make some plays, and by the way, if you make some plays, we'll just get the ball back and we'll score, and now you have to make plays again. They're not going to let them run. They're going to stack it, and I—, I I just think they they win by at least three. I don't think they lose the to Lamar Jackson for Kansas City to be the perfect tease candidate, and you have put them into the perfect tease with the New England Patriots. I'm I'm I can't wait to 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 convey on on the Twitter on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. My multi millionaire friend Bill Simmons has has put another I've 1. added another million. Three million into the kitty. You know what? I'm gonna tone it back though, because you scared me with the Ravens running game. There is a Super Bowl. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it back to 1.1 to win a million. I'm just gonna win it 1. even 1. million. 1.1 to win a million. Yeah, just right down the middle. Million. All right. Sure. So there we go. Chiefs, Pats, T's. All right. I am putting. I li- there's a bunch of underdogs I like, and I'm gonna do something a little wacky. You're gonna like you. This. Yeah. The Seahawks are playing on Monday night. The Seahawks are now celebrating their sixth straight year where they've won at least seven games from week three to week 12. How about that stat? They're seven, two and one this year. Every year, for whatever reason, first two weeks, blah. And then from about week three on, they they round into what they are. They're playing the Vikings. I got a good look at the Vikings last week. Watched every play of that game. Long look. Actually, actually I shouldn't look. say I watched every play of that game because the motherfuckers at DirecTV... Um, went into overtime with Bears Giants and the Pats, the Pats, uh, whatever their game, that channel was supposed to switch over to the LA Fox, but the Fox was showing the Bears game. So what do they do? They just black out the Pats. I missed the opening drive. I missed seven minutes. It's like, what are you doing? How much, how much money do I have to pay for the package where I can see all the plays of my favorite team? Um, so there's a reason I was telling you this. Oh, yeah. So I watched Minnesota, watched it carefully. Not that good. Just not not a very good football team. They really aren't. They they have a lot of trouble blocking. Um, I thought their play calling was atrocious. I think they ran the ball 13 times. It actually seemed like they could have run on us. 
And for whatever reason, they had uh, they put the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands. The Pats really flustered him. They had him, uh, you know, just checking down because they kept disguising the coverages on him. Offensively, it was 10-10. And then the Pats just drove down the field and did whatever they wanted for two straight drives. And I'm just not impressed by them. I don't think they're a playoff team. I think Seattle is a playoff team. So they're minus 170 just to win the game house. Three and a half to yes. cover. I like the minus 170. I think they pull it out. It's a Monday a nice night. Seattle money line. Yeah, I'm going to parlay them with five different underdogs. I'm going to do a sprinkling. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm going to do a- Is this a six way? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, I'm sprinkling them in five different small bets and I'm going to try to go oh, four and one. Okay, whew. Yeah, I'm going to try to go four and one. First one. Falcons to now I'm gonna. This is where you, your counsel is very important here. I, I can just do the underdog spreads and I get plus 197, Seattle minus 170 with any underdog spread I want. So, for instance, Falcons plus five at Green Bay. I really like the Falcons in that game. I think Green Bay, this McCarthy thing has thrown people off the scent of just how terrible Green Bay is. Green Bay's their entire defense has been decimated. They're down to like their 19th string cornerbacks and safeties. They're they're a mess. They're not. They're, we they're, haven't been able to see them get any stops. It's true. They can't get any stops. And offensively, they have like a couple weapons. The line's just too high. I think both of these teams suck. And I, I'm getting two extra points for some reason with the Falcons. I have no idea why. This is this is like a coin flip game. So I could either take the Falcons plus five, and I get that parlay with the Seahawks at plus one ninety seven, or I get a little frisky and bet them to win outright. And that is plus 376 house. Ugh. Wow. I just wouldn't want to be in the position of asking uh, Matty Ice. You know, say say they're within a field goal and it's the fourth quarter. All right, I'll do, I'm going to do all the spreads then. All right, so this is plus, right. this is 200 each. Uh, across the board, plus 197. First one, Falcons plus five. I think they can win the game. I also think you're right. I could see them losing by three. This is and being on the seven yard each, line. Right? Yeah, I'll do. Should I do 200 or 250? That's, it's, it's your money. You're the multimillionaire. Yeah, I am up five billion. All right, I'll do, uh, I'll do 250 on each one. Nice. Plus 197. Falcons plus five. You like that one? I'm right on the edge. I I worry Atlanta last week looked like a, a team that has given up on the entire season. Uh, the same Wait, what Green did Bay. Green Bay you look have like? The give ups against the give ups. <laughs> yeah, great. I'll take the five points. Next one. You get the extra couple points. Okay, that's fine. This is so bad of a bet that I love it. It's my favorite bad <laughs> bet in like a month and a half, and I have to put money on it. The San Francisco 49ers are home. Against the Denver Broncos, they're getting four points. Denver's best cornerback broke his leg, Chris Harris. Yes. Denver traded their second best receiver and their best receiver um, tore his Achilles in practice this week, Emmanuel Sanders. They're hate now that. down I hate to when that happens. They're now down to two dudes, one of whom I couldn't believe was picked up in our fantasy, the Ringer Fantasy League, Kyle. Court Cortland Sutton or Courtney Sutton. Sounds like an actor. You sure? Yeah. He was already picked up somehow. And then the other guy, I didn't even know it was a real football player until uh, until Sunday. 
Um, so they have no real receivers. They really have Philip Lindsay, and that's about it, making the rookie of the year run. Um, the Niners are terrible, but um, I don't know. Everybody has Denver in the playoffs. Please talk me out of this house. I'm perfectly willing to jump off this, but um, Denver just losing three, three kind of above average starters on top of the fact that it was a little bit of smoke and mirrors anyway. I don't know how they're favored by four on the road against basically anybody. Explain this to me. Well, I, I don't have a theory for you as to uh, how they're they're favored. Although, I, what what's the what's the compelling uh, rationale for San Francisco? How San Francisco keep this game close? Let me flip it on you. Well, their quarterback threw for over four hundred yards last week. That granted a lot of garbage time, but they can at least move the ball a little. I guess would be. The thing. So even if if you know they're down late, they are 31st in DVOA. Here's the case against it, and here's why I'm I'm happy to back off. Um they're in kind of an arms race now for the number one pick with the Raiders. Every loss counts, House. Does this Do stay we away? think that there's a transcendent talent at number one? Of no, the NFL there's not draft this upcoming. Okay. So that so that the one the one or the two are both fine. Yeah, so I looked at their schedule, and they're not going to win their last three. And I do feel like, so their last three are basically home for Seattle, home for Chicago, at the Rams. They're probably losing all those unless the Rams don't give a shit about Week 17. This is their last chance to avoid the ignominious 2-14 and 14 finish that has like no silver linings at all. So they go in, they win this one, they feel good. Big speech, give George Kittle the game ball, and then you just get annihilated the last three. That'd be the recipe. I'm also perfectly happy to avoid this game. Want to get? Let's get back to it. I'll hit the other ones. Um, Go ahead. Philly in Dallas, plus 165 to win outright. Um, They are straight up, they are plus three and a half. There's so many people on this Dallas bandwagon house. It is overflowing. It is, Pete, they looked awesome against the Saints. People really seem to feel like they're like a stealth Super Bowl contender. I feel like I've seen this play before, house, when Dallas gets everybody's hopes up and then take a nice big fat dump. Now, their defense did look good, but why should I trust the clapper to basically run the slate in 2018. Doesn't this feel like at least a three-point game? I'm getting a half point. You're getting the half point. I, I'm on board with you on this one. This one I, I I like quite a bit. It feels like you're getting some value here. It should be a two and a half at at most uh, Cowboys as, as, as favorites. I wouldn't even give them the full three. I think these teams are surprisingly more equal than, uh, you know, f- f- folks might imagine at first glance. Um the uh, Eagles run a ton of play action. The, the, uh, yeah. the Dallas defense is not very good against the play action. They're, they're kind of mediocre. They're 19th or 20th in the league against uh, play action. Um, the oh, Cowboys are, have been below average uh, against tight ends this season. Zach Ertz caught 14 balls the first time they played. Now, he may not catch 14 balls this time around as well. But, uh, I mean, I, he's going to be featured quite a bit in, in this one. And I also think that first 
uh, matchup between the Eagles and Dallas. Dallas won the game with really like the last drive of the game. The whole the whole game it was even yeah. until they marched right down the field and scored a touchdown and and won by seven. I, I I'm absolutely with you on this one. I love the extra half a point here. I think there's some value. I watched that game Monday night. They figured out how to use Golden Tate finally. They figured out there just should be more of a play action team and use the running backs more as as uh, as pass decoys or screen passes, things like that. Just felt like they found their mojo. And I think the fact that Colt McCoy got hurt and Sanchez came in and was bad in the second half kind of threw people off the scent of the Eagles kind of, I don't know, they didn't look like defending Super Bowl champs, but they looked like the Eagles team we thought of. All right, I'm gonna so I'm gonna I mean, add they, that. Plus, they beat the crap out of the Redskins. So two fifty plus one ninety seven for that. The Eagles plus three and a half with the Seahawks. The next one, the Colts of Indianapolis, coming off an atrocious game against Jacksonville. It happens. They were looking ahead a little bit. They they're reading their plus clippings. They're looking ahead to the next week again. This big awesome game they have in Houston. Um, and they just kind of lot, they took their eye off the ball house. It happens. Now the line has swung in a way that I feel like is extremely favorable. There, there's a lot of Houston buzz right now. It, people are kind of off the indie scent. Meanwhile, Indy, this is their whole season is this game. If there's ever a kitchen sink, this is it. The plus four and a half. Getting the extra half point. You're basically, Houston's got to win by six or more. Nobody ever wins by five. So I feel like this is a toe-to-toe battle. I like luck in this game. Watson scares me. I've been burned by the Texans two weeks in a row. But I think these teams are pretty even. I really do. I I, I respect this Texans team that they have the Hopkins um, and the pass rush and Watson scary, all that. I respect all of it. But... I, I I'm not ready to live in a world where Bill where Bill O'Brien wins like 12 straight games. At some point they're gonna have a shit game. And I think it's at it's either this week or there's a hint of it this week. I'm taking the four and a half. I'm going with Andrew Luck, coming off a shutout. Let's see it, Andrew. I'm with I'm with you on this one also. I think there is value here. This one also I think is a single score kind of game. I'd be a lot more comfortable with Houston as a two and a half or three three point favorite. There's value in the extra one and a half. There's a there's a bunch of stat stuff out there with Andrew Luck. You know, uh, it it is the rarest of rare occasions that he doesn't throw for a touchdown. He's been on a at least throwing for one touchdown for a whole whole uh, a bunch of games and. He has a terrific bounce back uh, number there. There's also a regression thing going on with Houston and this winning streak. At some point, they are uh, th- th- this winning streak is going to come to an end because math favors it, and I think this could be the one. I, I-, I like this one for you as well. Houston is not even top 10 in DVOA still. They're 21st offensively. They're 6th defensively. It's just not the type of team that's gonna that that should on paper win like nine or ten straight games. How many are they up to? Are they up to nine, I think. Yeah, they were zero and three. And now they're nine and three. And by the way, if yes. they win this one, they got the jet at the Jets next week at Philly home for Jacksonville. And they're not going to win thirteen straight games. I I believe in Andrew Luck. I just think they had a shit week last week. And if anything. I appreciate it because it knocked the line to a place that I think they're actually good value. Last one, Browns. Home for Carolina, getting points. 
I like having the home dog. I, I'm going to probably drop the Niners. And yeah. uh, stay away from the Niners. Don't I'll stay away the from the Niners. Niners. You talked me out of that one. You get the Browns plus two. I actually liked how they played last week. I thought they had some, they made some dumb turnovers, um, which happens and they're a young team. But for the most part, I thought they were kind of hanging around in that game against Houston. And Mayfield ended up with almost 400 yards. Now, some of that was in garbage time. Um, just in general, it was kind of a bad luck game. You know, where you start out with the uh, with the dumb interception and just kind of kind of snowballed on them. I still believe in Nick Chubb. I still believe in the talent they have. I like them at home. Uh, they won in Atl- They beat Atlanta at home a couple weeks ago. They lost to KC at home, and they they got killed by KC and the Chargers at home. They beat Baltimore at home though, um, and they beat the Jets at home. Pittsburgh was a tie at home. They're definitely better at home. So the two teams that whipped them at home are are two of the best teams in the league. And uh and I and on the flip side, Carolina, a couple things going on with them. Their defense completely shit the bed the last four weeks to the point that they uh fired the defensive coordinator, I think. And there's some real is Cam Newton hurt stuff going out. Will Brinson wrote a big piece about it, basically making the case he's definitely hurt. Um is his performance has gone in the toilet and he's just not accurate and he's just not playing well. And he was playing great earlier in the season. I don't think he's healthy. I think this Panthers team is done. I think they know that they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, and I kind of like this as like a feel good win for the Browns. What do you think of this one? I, I, I love it. You, the uh, Carolina Panthers, this is stunning to me. They, they are now one and five on the road. Mm. With some with with some real crappy teams, with losses to some really crappy teams along the way, there I I don't have any explanation other than what you just offered for Cam's really horrible performance. He has he he stink stunk for three consecutive weeks now, and you know it's funny. Early in the season, they look like a not only a, a division contender in in that you know what we thought might be a stacked division with the Saints uh and and at least the Falcons on paper um they look pretty damn good they were didn't they start off 4 and 1 yeah well they were they and, were and, uh 6 and 2 actually they beat Tampa in week 9 they put up 36 in week 8 and they put up 42 in week 9 they put up 36 on Baltimore by the way and then uh it cratered they lost it. they got killed in the Thursday night game and I watched that game and I actually thought Cam got hurt in that game I thought that game in general was a very unfair punishing game to them because I think and if it, if it had been a Sunday game, I think they have a much better chance. But they lose that. They lose to Detroit 10 days later in a game that their offense really wasn't doing anything in that game either. They 13 points going into the last drive. Uh, lose to Seattle at home. And then lose to Tampa last week. And by the way, quarterbacks have been lighting them up. Even Jameis lit them up last week. This feels like a bit like if you have Baker Mayfield on your fantasy team, I would actually start him this week. I think he. I love uh, that. I, I'm with you on that one. And Chubb and, too. And, and, I just like. I think yeah. this feels like the Browns could win. There's a there's a world in which the Browns win this game, like 35 to 13, and everybody's like, "Wow, what's wrong with Cam? What the hell?" And then Cam goes on IR like the next day. I, I right. that, there's a world where that happens, but I just like getting the points. I like getting the uh, the plus two now house. I could also just bet them instead of the plus two, bet the money line, which is plus one ten, and now that moves that to plus two thirty four. What would you do? 
I would bet the money line on this one because I, I like the home dog angle. I like the direction of, of Cleveland, the freewheeling uh, display, especially on offense. Greg yeah. Williams has taken the reins off. Yes. I mean, taken the blinders the bounty off. bounty hunter. Uh, Baker. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Greg the bounty hunter. <laughs> like, the, ba- right. the bounty hunter. There we go. And we I forgot to mention the Panthers field goal kicker is, is in like a free fall funk. So don't think he oh, won't no, factor in this one too. All right. So here are the bets. We have Chiefs, Pats, Tees, Chiefs down to a half point, Pats to one and a half point, putting 1.1 million to win a million on that. And then four $250,000 bets. The Falcons with Seattle, both both uh, Falcons plus five with Seattle just to win plus 197. Eagles plus three and a half with Seattle just to win plus 197. Colts plus four and a half with Seattle just to win plus 197. And then the Browns to win with Seattle to win plus 234. I should mention, I really want to do the Bears, but the line will not budge from three. If it was three, if it was Bears getting three and a half on Sunday night against the Rams, I'm in because I don't trust Jared Goff at all in that game. But the three point, I'm staying away. Any thoughts on that one? And there's still a possibility of Chase Daniel playing quarterback, right? Yeah. And I learned my lesson last week. Yeah. I had said last week I'd never betting on Eli Manning again. And now this week I'm saying I'm never betting on Chase Daniel again. So if they ever play in a game, I promise you I won't be betting on that game. Uh, way, way to go out on a limb. House, um, I really enjoyed our House of Carbs discussion about, especially about desserts and Italian food and Korean food. And I hope uh, I hope people listen to that as well on the House of carbs. Carbs. Thanks, uh, buddy. Yeah, I thought it was a good one. I'm going to put some pictures of uh, Korean meal. I'm also going to find your chicken parm, a picture of your delicious chicken parm from Fresco by Scotto, and get that, yeah. up, that up on the gram. At the House of Carbs is our Instagram. Check it out, hungry homies. All right. Thanks, House. Hey, if you need a device that helps you get stuff done, but is also perfect when you want to catch up on some fun, like streaming live sports or checking on your fantasy team, I like both of those things. Check out the latest member of the Microsoft Surface family. It's the new Surface Pro 6. Just take the keyboard off, use it like a tablet, or stamp it back on and use it like a laptop. With up to 13 and a half hours of battery life and the new 8th gen Intel Core processor. It's everything you love about the Surface Pro. Now, even more powerful. It is the new Surface Pro 6. That is from Microsoft Surface. And by the way, if you're, Mess around with your DVR this weekend. Don't forget to set it for momentum generation. That's uh, the new documentary from HBO Sports about Kelly Slater and his whole band of 90s surfing buddies that revolutionized the sport. It is one of the best documentaries I've ever been involved with. December 11th, HBO. Check it out. My old friend Jason Reitman is here. It's been a while. Hey. You were like an early BS Report podcast way back when. I don't yeah, remember that's what true. film it was. You were on a couple times. Yeah, I think the way we met was I sent you uh, a t-shirt of myself and a Lakers. Uh, I was on a Lakers shirt. Yeah. And I was kind of throwing some shade towards the Celtics. I and, didn't appreciate it. And then you, and at the time I had kind of longer hair and I looked a little like Sasha uh, you did. And, and Yeah, you, you did. That was your comment back. And uh, that was the birth of our friendship. Yeah, that was, <laughs> we came back with Sasha, mm-hmm. who was a very, uh, very beloved Laker at the time. So it yeah. wasn't even that insulting. Yeah. yeah. Where, what happened to him? What, what, what did he go on to? I think he went back to Europe or something. Oh, okay. He had, a, he had a good career. He played like five, six, seven years. 
Um, you have a new movie out. Yeah. The Front Runner, which yeah. I've seen and I really enjoyed. And I've been fascinated by the Gary Hart thing forever. We're going to talk about that, but I haven't seen you in a while. And you've done like all types of movies. You had. <laughs> this is my eighth movie. It's my second movie this year. I had Tully six months ago. I think the last time you came on, I think was for young adult. Is that possible? Uh, maybe. Uh, and that that was kind of an interesting experience because I was coming off of smoking Juno and up in the air. And yeah. at, the, at the time, uh, I think young adult was thought of kind of as a miss uh, after those three films. It's not, and then, it's not a miss at all. In no, fact, people, Charlize was sitting in yeah. that seat that you're in right now. Show off. Right there on that cushion. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> she really like owned the room. It was incredible. Uh, um, but she, but we talked about that movie. And no, now there's a ton of affection for that film. Well, that was what we were uh, saying. And, yeah. and she was kind of, first of all, I couldn't believe she didn't get nominated for it. Because right? she's, she's like absolutely out of control in that movie. It's she's a remarkable so performance. And it really she is. says things that like almost no actor could uh, possibly say. And the writing that uh, Diablo did is really daring in it. And uh, and look, uh, people found it after the fact. And it's, I know that's true because it's on cable a lot. <laughs> and my whole thing is like when the cable channels are re-showing movies with mm-hmm. a frequency, that means people are watching them. Uh, when directors uh, come up to me, that's the film they bring up, interestingly. That's the one they, really? they respect, yeah. I thought that was the best performance of her whole career. Oh, that's which, a, that's a huge statement. I mean, she's had an insane career. Which but I didn't uh, want to say to her because you never want to say that to somebody because they get offended if they feel like it was something else. Yeah, or, but she'd be really that'd be a, that'd be a cool one to bring up. I mean, the obvious one to bring up is Monster, just because that's uh, it's a behemoth yeah. performance. I mean, it, no, it's a really emotional performance. It's great, really but it's place. in that movie she's the most her, but she's also playing a psycho. But I still feel like if you were really ballsy, you would have said Two Days in the Valley. Oh, she, I think she liked that movie. You probably, I'm just saying it would have been a, it would have been She field. was good in that. Yeah. What I liked about it though, is it, it brought all the things to the Charlize table. You know, she's beautiful. She's a great actress. She's funny. She's a little like menacing in a weird way. Yeah. And, and it's she's just all these different it. things. She, you got Actors want to hide. I mean, there, there, there's a tendency as an actor to put me in a prosthetic, put me into, you know, some weird makeup, throw a costume, throw a wig on me. Let me do an accent. Let me be anything but myself. They're trying to hide. Yeah. And, you know, my job is to try to kind of like unearth the stuff underneath and find that connective tissue between the actor and the character. Right. And that's the thrill. The thrill is when you feel something come up to the surface and you go, oh, wait a second, that's them. And right. they're working stuff out right now. And on Young Adult, you could feel that with Charlize. That was a good cast in that movie too. That was a great, and Patton was amazing in that, and uh, and he really pulled it off. And uh, Patrick Wilson, Patrick Ringer Wilson, favorite. Uh, oh, really? He's a lot, uh, of the, lot of the ladies at the Ringer. Oh, you know what's funny? Patrick I Wilson didn't know love. he was a singer. What? Like, he's a big time oh, singer. He was like on Broadway. I yeah. think he did like Phantom or something. And I remember early on during that young adult shoot, uh, he was going to be singing the national anthem at. Uh, either City Field or Yankee Stadium or something. <laughs> and, he, and I go, oh, man, are you nervous? And he goes, no, I think it'll be all right. I said, I mean, can you even sing? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. Like, I, he's I like offended. I've been on Broadway. <laughs> yeah, like, I think it just like hit him that like I didn't really know any that part. Like I knew him as the guy who was in Little Children. Like I knew him as this actor, not as a musical star. Yeah. I... uh He's he's been he's one of those guys who's been in a lot of different things, but he's not like an A lister. Well, he's a fantastic. But everybody actor. knows who he is. Yeah, he's and almost people too like handsome. his stuff. I wonder if he's too handsome 
Because he's a character actor. At the end of the day, he's like a really interesting, thoughtful character actor who happens to be just like really good looking. Yeah. Like Kendall good looking. And sometimes that can be a bit tricky as an actor of like, how do you get past, men and women, how do you get the past the fact that like, okay, I'm really pretty. Well, that also has been the Brad Pitt conundrum, right? He's like the What's most that? handsome character actor of all time. Oh, <laughs> I think he just wants to. Brad Pitt found a way to make it work yeah, for himself. Yeah. Well, he'll he'll vacillate. He'll do like the A list movie. Yeah, you know what was on there? And the then day? he'll be like a weird character with like a chipped tooth or I was like some snatch. Yeah, yeah. How crazy is that? Crazy accent. Yeah, and How about it totally works. Oh, Tromance is amazing. But he'll, but he'll do that, felt close to the truth. Talking yeah. <laughs> about like close to the truth, that felt like maybe that actually is Brad Pitt. But uh, with Snatch. It's insane. He's in an actor filled with actual British people, directed by a British person that takes place in England, and he plays this gypsy, and I, you buy it a hundred percent. That weird ass accent he's doing, yeah. it's crazy and a hundred percent watchable. Did you work J.K. Simmons into young adult? You didn't, did you? Yeah, I did. He plays her agent. Uh, so there's these, there's these couple there's moments one... where he's like, call, she's checking messages from her book agent who's wondering where the last book is, and it's his voice. Because that's one of my favorite things about you is you have your, my team. You have your people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're, they're all, and in, uh, in the front runner, you- you dragged out a bunch of them. Yeah. Your crew. Yeah, we did. Well, I like mo- making movies both on screen and off screen with the with a family of people. My 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 film crew, a lot of them I saw last night. We had a we had a screening and it was it was for like the agency of my production designer, my costume designer, my cinematographer, the sound designer, sound mixer, like all these people that I've been working with from Thank You for Smoking and even before that. Yeah. JK. He was in here. He was on this couch. He's on that couch. But uh, yeah, it brought you up, Such and you're like his dropper. guy. You're like his I guy. Get it. You're famous. You're like his guy, J.K. <laughs> um, it's like I love that guy. I love puts me in all his movies. I know, and I mean that's the voice I think in. Like if I if I had to write, like the first voice I would naturally write is J.K. I, I know what J.K.'s response would be to most things. I could put him in kind of in any scene and. I can kind of just write from there. I got to be honest, in the front runner, I wanted like two more JK scenes. I felt a little robbed. What are those? Well, the truth is that real person. This is the first time I made a movie about real people. Where you had to really stick to the facts. Yeah. I mean, well, it's the first movie I had to write where the what is already taken care of. Like people already know the what. Now it's why. How? So what was the biggest revelation you had? Uh, I'm not sure if it was a revelation. It It was just more questions. I went in with questions and I came out with more questions. I mean, here was this moment I really didn't know. You know, I was 10 or 11 when it happened. Uh, I had heard the names. I didn't really know the story. I find out that there was a guy who was going to be the next president of the United States. And there was a sex scandal. In less than a week, he went from being the next president to leaving politics forever. And at the top of which, he wound up in an alleyway in the middle of the night with these journalists and nobody knew what to do. Because yeah. no one had ever been in their shoes before. All of that seemed insane to me and cinematic and very reflective of where we seem to be heading in 2015 when I wrote this. I always thought it was a top five documentary. What? But now, now you can't do it. The documentary I, now nobody Gary it. Yeah, because you did the movie now. Now I don't want to see a documentary. But for years and years, I was always like, that would be... Oh, I would really? totally watch two hours it on feels like a- Gary Hart about to become the president and in a week it's over. Yeah, well, and look, frankly, I made it less because I was interested in Gary Hart, the man, although he is fascinating and brilliant, and more because I was interested in the rest of us. 
Yeah. You know, I look around like everyone else. You know, I wake up in the morning, I go like, how the hell did we get here? I think about that every single day. <laughs> and and I think everyone thinks that. it doesn't mean liberal, conservative, everyone kind of looks at the system and go, okay, this is kind of broken. Yeah. How did we get here? And it seems like we're only going worse. And when you try to look backwards and try to find the seeds, this felt like a moment, a moment where in a week we made some decisions without even thinking about it. And his reaction, which you do in the movie a little bit, where the eras before him, you kind of look the other way with the mm-hmm. candidates if they were up to anything. And that was his kind of thing. Like, oh, it's, it's not their business. It's my business. And, yeah, and but he, he believed- wasn't realizing things were changing and that your business right. was becoming everybody's business. Well, I mean, that was the great irony, right? Is that this is a guy who was prescient about everything. I mean, he saw the rise of Islamic terror. He saw the, the birth of a computerized economy. All these things he knew were coming. Uh, you know, a decade before everyone else. Right. And yet he couldn't see right in front of him this kind of changing gossip era of journalism in which there was this kind of obsessive interest in the personal lives of public people. Has he seen it? Yeah, I, I brought it to him. I I mean, I showed it to Donna Rice. I showed it to him. I showed it to Tom Fiedler, uh, the, the Herald. I mean, I thought it was the decent thing to do. You showed it to them because you wanted feedback or you no, just no, wanted the them movie to was see done. it? No, I think, look, if I made a movie about, if I said, Bill, I'm going to make a movie about your week, let me pick the worst week of your life. Yeah. And I think the right thing to do would be to be like, hey, Bill, the movie's done. Before everyone else sees it, I think you have, you deserve the opportunity to give it a watch. So did you like mail him a digital link? Or no, did you actually I like, like go no, to I his got house? on a plane. I went to Denver. Uh, the whole campaign team flew into Denver from all around the country I first did a screening with them and Hart's daughter, Andrea, who I got to know pretty well through the process. But I had already talked to all of them. Like, I had gotten to know all of them, including Donna, yeah. in pre-production, during shooting. I was talking to all of them. But now I sat down and showed the film, and then the next morning I did a screening just for Gary and Lee Hart. And you made Donna, I, I think, I just, this was 30 years ago. I just remember the monkey business photo. And right. Is the years pass. I think that's one of the things that makes the movie cool is, is the years pass. Mm-hmm. some version of what you think happened becomes the version, but it's not what actually happened. That's exactly right. Like that photograph, for example. Was after, or, or that after came out after he had already dropped out, He had already right? dropped out of the race. Yeah. But we remember it as the thing that somehow torpedoes career. So that's part of the question in the movie is, why do we take on the gossip story and make it the real story? Why are we interested in this name of a boat? Why are we interested in a photograph uh, when literally, like, you know, uh, history is in peril. <laughs> like, you know, right. when our when our futures are in the balance. The other lesson is don't take a photo in front of a boat called Monkey Business with the beautiful girl sitting on your lap. True, if you're a I married mean, guy. Maybe, I, I maybe not the right move. Not, not definitely not the right movie. Boove, stupid human mistake. I guess my question yeah, the is- sitting on the lap is almost even more stupid than a human mistake. I guess so. I've Come heard on. I've heard stories of, of how that photo came about, and it does feel a little bit like, hey, go sit and go take this photo. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, just sit in the- like, Have her sit in your lap and take a photo. I, okay, yeah. can we do this? I, like, I'm mo- fine with that, except for the sitting on the lap part. You never had a girl sit in your lap, Bill? Uh, not for a photo if I'm a married guy in front, on a boat, and I'm running for- Pot. Like that's really stupid. It it, it is a stupid mistake. He's, I he's trying to run for agree. the presidency. I completely agree. I'm it's not a even sure mistake. Trump would have done that. <laughs> well, <laughs> I won't even get into that. But uh, but uh, this is what I'll say. Was it a stupid mistake? 
a hundred percent, something that he regrets a hundred percent. Is it something that would have been publicized any time before that? No. Does he have a reasonable presumption it would not be publicized? True. After fair, that? fair, fair, fair. Totally. And and also she was like so breathtakingly beautiful. She was beautiful. Here's the she question. was the best looking out of all those people who ever got involved in a scandal of any sort of anything. Right. She was just like really, really gorgeous. Yes, she was. Re- she was beautiful. And she could have probably gone on to do things. But we. Uh, we annihilated this guy before we saw that photo. Yeah. Yeah. He left. Po- Look, that in that week, in less than a week. It was different times, though, because everyone was more judgmental back then. And the, the judgmentalness, if that's a word, of this was like, how could this guy be so stupid? I would never trust him to run this country. That it became is very holier than thou. That is after the fact. Thought. After the fact, I'm that talking is about. After the fact, yeah, but I'm talking about. But that's in why the he moment. couldn't come back. Oh, I mean, it's not about comeback. The, in the moment, he just should have been like fake news. I don't know what this was. No, in this the was moment, doctored. but that's what makes this a great litmus test for what we want. Because in the moment, he said, "I'm talking about important things right now. You want to talk about this this weekend I had on a boat? Yeah, that's not important." And we as a nation said, "No, no, 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 no. screw all that other stuff. We want to talk about the boat." Yeah. And this is a guy who, in the mid '80s, was saying. Our addiction to oil is going to take us into the Middle East where we're going to encounter Islamic terrorism and not know how to fight it because we have a military that only knows how to bomb people. Yeah. This is a guy who met Steve Jobs in 81 and came back to the Senate and said, we need a computer in every classroom because the future economy is going to be based on whether or not you know how to use a computer. This is a guy in 99 who went to Clinton and said, we're going to be attacked by airplanes. Yeah. Like he knew everything that was coming and and we made a decision in less than a week that- yeah, 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 but all we want to talk about is this weekend you had on a boat. Now, I'm not saying either side is right, and the movie doesn't say either side is right. The movie is a movie from 20 different points of view. It's easy yeah. with Hugh Jackman as the lead to go, he must be the hero of the film, when the truth is there's no heroes, there's no villains. We throw the story out there, and you have to make a decision for yourself. I thought it was weird when Gary Hart became the Wolverine at the one-hour mark for like five minutes. <laughs> trying it, to sell tickets, trying to sell head. tickets, Bill. I didn't know it was a superhero movie. I thought it was about Gary Hart. Yeah, you know, 88 was, 87, 88 was a really weird time in general because yeah. that's right. I think it was right when like Morton Downey Jr. was starting to hit. What's well, the and year a current affair goes on? And current affair. It's the moment and, tabloid journalism becomes tabloid television, yeah. and that is why this story becomes a story. Even that two it does. years earlier, I think he's good. I think he. I think it's not a deal. Well, and the question is again, it's not about him. Like he's one guy, you know. Uh, the history is filled with people who succeeded and didn't. It's the rest of us. It's the last thirty years. It's the what gets us to a point where. Entertainment and politics collide, and we elect an entertainer as our president. Uh, and, and entertainer's kind of a compliment. And uh, well, I mean, whatever you want to call him. Look, to a point where we wake up. I'd say he worked in entertainment. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> we have a news app where there is political articles that are, are that are just sitting right next to articles about Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande, and they're given equal weight as though they are the same subject. I would say Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande should have greater weight. It's really it's captured the nation. Bill, it's a pleasure Those talking two. to you. Thank it you. always is. Thank You're you, joy. next, Jason Reitman. Um, yeah, no, it's been a crazy 30 years. And it's what's really crazy. So 
Hart was, was it end of 87 or was it actually 88? It was 88. It was in 87. It was the 88 was election when it was 87 when it happened. into 88. Yeah, it was May of 87. So you're talking like 17 years earlier is Chappaquiddick. Mm-hmm. And I, I went through a little Chappaquiddick. I, I had already done the obsession thing over Chappaquiddick, but mm-hmm. then I saw the movie this summer and then I listened to the podcast and kind of like deep dived it again. Mm-hmm. I mean, he ran for election after that. Mm-hmm. The, crashed his car. We don't know how drunk he was. Left the girl in there for 10 hours, then told people, and like ran for office in 1976. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about like how things changed in the late 80s and we became right. way more judgmental and skeptical and um, it really, it, that's not that long of a time. I mean, you and I have yeah. known each other for nine years. That's, you know, when you think about it, like Chappaquiddick to Gary Hart's like 17 years. Yeah. And with Hart, remember we didn't, at the end of the day, he walked away. Yeah, he did. Like he didn't come back. Uh, you know, he walked away and said he had a, he had a brief moment later on that year where he re-entered the race. But I think that was kind of a non-starter. Uh, the truth is, is in the moment he said, "Look, if this is what the questions are going to be about, I'm not interested." Do we hundred percent believe that? Oh, I I do hundred percent believe that. I, I think he has a very clear sense to this day of what he thinks is relevant and what he thinks is irrelevant. I don't agree hundred percent with it. But I think there's something interesting there. But you left the door open in the movie, and it's hard to say. But, I mean, he, he there is a chance he was a little bit of a playboy, even though he was married, and that he might have had more stuff out there that there's he wanted to run from. definitely a chance that he was a playboy. I'm not sure how much that's relevant. Handsome guy. And that's the question. The question is, what is relevant? What do we care about, and why do we care about well, it? Well, we didn't care about it with JFK. We, we didn't, didn't care, care about, about any of the candidates. Anybody literally uh, leading up to it. And we got like just a history of presidents who are fooling around. But we have a history of people who are fooling around. I mean, yeah. that's what we are. We're human beings, and we make mistakes. And we're going to be electing human beings who make mistakes. The question is, what mistakes Kyle matter? makes mistakes all the time. <laughs> yelling at him last night about some of his mistakes. Um, so do you think this... What does this do for the Gary Hart legacy? Because not only this will be out in the theaters, but then it'll also, these movies now have these three-tiered runs where they end up yeah. on, on demand and then, you know, I don't know. airplanes and, and then it ends up on Netflix. Like, I feel like everybody will eventually see this movie. I hope so. So what's we'll the Gary see. Hart thing? Uh, I don't know. Uh, look, I think uh, as of a few years ago, I didn't know really who Gary Hart was. I heard a Radiolab piece that uh, brought me to Matt Bai's book fantastic yeah. read the book and then went after to try to make the movie but up until that moment i didn't really know who he was so uh perhaps people under our age will actually know who the guy it's was. funny I, I left the movie and i'm still not sure who he was i think well, that was one of the things that made the movie work i think his closest friends and family still he's like a mystery kind of oh he's an enigma i think that's what's so impressive right about uh Hugh Jackman's performance yeah is that it's really really tricky to play enigma who, if it wasn't Hugh Jackman, who was like the, who was the runner up candidate? I did not have a list. You just went to Hugh Jackman. I went to Hugh Jackman and he said yes. You went to the Wolverine. <laughs> who could You're not like, Come be on, Hugh. a lovelier human being? I mean, there literally is. You've not worked a with some major stars. Yeah. So Clooney. Yeah. Charlize, the yeah. most beautiful woman in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Kate who, uh, Winslet. Kate Winslet. Josh Brolin. Kate Winslet, one of the most, I would say one of the five most famous actresses because yeah. of Titanic, right? Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Yeah. So what are the, is there any th- common thread? 
they're all brilliant. I mean, I'm the lucky one. They said yes, and they they continue to say well, yes. From so. a personality trait standpoint, is there anything, any sort of gene? I mean, that every they have? actor is different, and it's my job to kind of try to figure out their psychology and bring out the best in them. I mean, that's that's my gig, you know. I mean, it's like you know, with a coach and a player. I mean, the, yeah. you get every player is you know a different type of brilliance matched with you know whatever you know psychology they they got going on, and the coaches is, is like, how do I get these people to you know play together? That's such a diplomatic answer. You're getting really good at this. It's not about diplomatic. Could you, d- I mean, d- you d- can ask d- me about a specific guy. You just said, what is the common thread between 10 movie stars? I would say the common thread <laughs> is you don't you don't really want to work with assholes. You seem to gravitate toward that is true. people all, that have good they're kind all of decent good buzz people. about them. I like I, I there's no life's too short. It really is. I mean, you're you're about to spend uh, three months making a movie and making a movie is really hard. It's and your, just your things are more collaborative too. And you want, you want, we're to... making tricky films yeah. where it's not easy. Here's the vi- hero. Here's the villain. We we're making them on smaller budgets. And look, anytime you go to make a movie, you show up at a place where no one's ever done what you're trying to do, right? Yeah. You throw up the tent like a circus and you're trying to accomplish this thing in a day. You have a limited amount of time, a limited amount of money. And it's hard. You, you, you make mistakes because you're doing something for the first time. And you want allies who are with you or not trying to make your life harder. With all that said, George Clooney is the coolest person you've ever been around, right? Clooney is really cool. Could but he be the I, president? I think Charlize gives him a run for but his she money. she doesn't count. She's an alien. I, I don't even know if she's a human being. She's uh, a higher species. I, I, I think she was sent woman. from a different she's, planet. Yeah, she's amazing. You did Tully with her too. Yeah, yeah, we're now we back. Yeah, we're two for two. I want to keep on. When's the next one? Tell you who's good. I'd like to make another movie with her uh, as soon as possible. Her and Hugh. Hugh's amazing too. They're all. They're all great. Clooney, not that's it. One hundred percent. But Clooney didn't like Clooney. Clooney's kind of bowing out. Like he's kind of like he wants to direct now. Italy. He doesn't want to act. He wants to direct. Do you take it personally when actors want to direct like they're on your territory? Not when they're as good as he is. I mean, my God. I mean, he's a great director. You take it a little personally. No, I actually on your corner. don't. It's like, say, why don't you guys act and I'll do the directing? No, nah, I love it when they do it. I love yeah. it. Yeah, and particularly because when you work with them, once they have directed, they they have a deeper respect for what you do for a living the and process. the storytelling and the process and they understand it and they understand why you're putting the camera where you are and what you're trying to accomplish in any given shot. Uh, they have a sense of time of how much time you have in a day and how much prep work is required. They have a real respect for the, just the nuts and bolts for it. All right, I'm so excited for this one. If you're listening to this podcast, you've already figured out smart ways to spend your time. Maybe even while listening to this podcast, if you were doing the New York Times crossword app, the crossword app is a fun, clever way to stay sharp each day. New puzzle, new opportunity to challenge yourself and play. And now at the mini crossword, you can squeeze in a game in just a couple of minutes. Wow, that's bad for my dad. Each mini puzzle is stimulating, quick, and most important, fun. Play by yourself or challenge your friends. Then post your best times to share the satisfaction that comes from solving. Whenever you have some downtime, discover wordplay every day. It's time well spent. This is phenomenal for my dad. Nobody loves cross. You know this about my dad, Kyle? No, but if you told me, I wouldn't be shocked. Nobody loves crossword puzzles more than my dad. I can't wait to tell him about this. Download the New York Times crossword app at newyorktimes.com slash mini. It's food for your brain. It actually makes parts of your brain work. Maybe you need to start doing it, I might jump on it, yeah. Yeah. All right. Maybe maybe you wouldn't have broken the chair during the pod. This, what happened there? I don't know. But you handled it well. You just gave it a little it, glance. It and, just glanced and sorry. saw I was broken. We'll get a new one. Check it out. The New York Times crossword app at newyorktimes.com slash mini. I remember a couple of years ago, I forgot what we were doing. I think we were having a meal or something. And you were mm-hmm. you were 
deep into the study of directors and careers and how long the shelf life was for a director, how uh, many years. I mean, I'm always curious about that. How many years in a row was there some common theme? I mean, you're- What did it do with, to their family life? And you were like <laughs> deep, deep, deep embedded into- what is this going to mean for the rest of my life that I do this? <laughs> Aren't you uh, equally obsessed with these kinds of things? I mean, I think yeah. I feel like you're constantly analyzing uh, from kind of every profession. I mean, I'd never heard somebody sports, who did what you do, though. Oh, think I about reached it out like this. It was just really interesting. Well, you know, uh, at the time I just gone through divorce, and I was trying to figure out that and how that was going to impact, you know, my daughter's life and my life and you know my career and how that would have an effect on everything. So I. Yeah, I went out and reached out to a few directors I knew and sat down and said, hey, can we just talk about life for a little bit? What'd you learn? Uh, it's a sacrifice. I mean, that's just the truth of it, you know? Um, it's one of those jobs that that really pulls you away from things that are important. And so you have to make a decision on a day-to-day and year-to-year basis on, all right, um, how much am I willing to sacrifice one for the other? Because th- there's no way to give... Uh, each what it what it needs and what it requires. Well, the way you, I remember you explained it to me was however long it takes to make a movie. It was like three months, four months, whatever. And you've got how many people on the set that you're like dad for. You're mm-hmm. the, you become the dad. Yeah. Like a hundred people. Yeah, and you're just people. dad, personality manager mm-hmm. for these people that are in your life. And then that just is your life. There's no room for yeah. Well, also the movie is a child in itself. Yeah, and And then you're also in your own head about how to put this jigsaw puzzle together with the scenes and what makes sense. And well, it 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 fully occupies a brain. Yeah, to 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 put an entire movie in your head, it's like you're filling the RAM, you know. And and that's why you you get done with the movie, you you empty the computer, and then you start filling it with a new film. And look, I mean, there's these moments where you're trying to think about how all of these things interconnect, but then you're also trying to get your daughter into school, you know, right, into right. junior high. So you're thinking about, you're thinking about that too. You know, I was off promoting uh, front runner and, and my promotion schedule was wrapped around flying back to try to like go in school interviews. So like you're, you're just trying to, you're trying to not, you know, F up, you know, with uh, uh, your family life and your, and your career, like anybody. What did I, what'd your dad say about all this? Oh, about work. Uh, Just about like as you get older, like that balance of of uh, when you're all in, especially when you have a name and some esteem. We don't talk about that. We talk about movies. We don't. We we talk a lot more about movies than we do about family. Really? Yeah, that's how we connected. We connected really later on. We connected when I was like eighteen, when I really started to write, and and at that point, we we just really dove deep on storytelling and filmmaking and and we talk about it a lot uh, on a regular basis. I have something for you to talk about with your dad. Okay. Here we go. It's this been, is the point of the interview. Everything else was you, you, you weren't even recording. Off. Now you go. Okay. The rails are coming off. Here now. we go. It's been 25 years. 25 years since the classic. Hold on. Let me try to figure this one out for myself. All right. So. Well, it is your dad. You should figure out what movie I'm thinking. 93. It's a 93. Are we talking about Dave or we're talking no, we're about, talking about Dave. Space Jam? Dave. Or well, Kindergarten Space Jam. Cop. Oh, we're talking Space about Kindergarten Jam's Cop. Happening. You no, want, we're talking about you Dave. You want me to reprise my role from Kindergarten Cop. No, Dave yeah. is ready to come back as a Netflix series. 
Just sell that thing. The original president cast, has a stroke. Later in life. Lookalike takes over. Yeah. I'm in for like five seasons of that. Really? Dave was too short. Dave's great. I really wanted the Kevin Klein presidency. And now we have this, you have the evil, terrible president replaced by the the normal human being who mm-hmm. just happens to look like him. But right. he actually has some great ideas. That's 60 episodes. Done. Netflix just bought it. <laughs> Just go in. I, I can't wait to just watch it. Just walk in with your dad, I, and that's it. It's done. 60 episodes. You have a much stronger sense of what people want to see than I do. Dave. Tommy, you'd watch Dave. That, see, Tommy would watch it. Kyle? I'll say yeah. Kyle's it's half-hearted. Kyle, Kyle was, that was, was really, There was not a lot of confidence. I don't want to lie that I've Jesus. seen it. I don't want to lie that I've seen Nifikon, it. Nifikon, have you seen Dave? No. Oh, that's a travesty. Well, that's what you I know. He was too young. How were old you? were you? I was 93. So I have all these people that work for The Ringer now. Who I call them the uh, the twenty five and unders, mm-hmm. and they make me feel so old with the things they haven't seen. Yeah. Oh we no. We always ask. Uh, we have Liz Kelly who works for us. Uh, we Jeff and I, the president of the Ringer, we always ask, "Have you seen that one? Have you seen that one?" And if it's like, if it's before two thousand four, probably not. And then you just realize, like, oh, oh, the amount of important nineties movies. Yeah, like, it's almost like we should Spike have like Jones, screenings Quentin, here. Spike Jones, and PTA, and, and all these filmmakers who made all this great work in the nineties. That ninety three to two thousand, like almost yeah, unassailable. Yeah, it's a golden era. Yeah, really great. Yeah, so many good ones. We yeah. were talking about the ninety nine, the twentieth anniversary is coming up of ninety nine, which is it's really the great, one of the great movie. That's years. the killer year. And you know now now we live in this whole. You've never gotten sucked into it, but this whole comic book. Slash yeah. superhero world that we're in now. How do you feel about it? I despise it with every fiber in my body. Yeah. I hate them. And I <laughs> won't even go to. Do most you like of any them. of them? I won't go to most of them. Yeah, I like Black Panther. I thought that was really cool. I don't know if I would see it ten times, but I just like that they created this whole world and the diversity in it and the the story. I just thought it was really well done. It's really well done. He's a great director. Coogler's amazing. And. uh and and honestly, one of the great parts of that movie was just being in a movie theater. Yeah. Being in a movie theater and being with African-American families and being with their kids who were dressed up as the guy on screen and feeling the moment that they were having, seeing that movie was exceptional. Um, well, we had a football game on Monday and they do the lineups at the beginning where they say like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, Jason yeah. Ramon with the USC. Um one guy goes, blah, blah, blah. It was Russell Okung, Wakanda Tech. And they kept, <laughs> I don't think they realized that it wasn't a real school. Oh, really? And it got in. And I was thinking like, Wakanda's going to live on for decades. It, no, Wakanda yeah. forever. That, that movie, say. I think a lot of these, out of the superhero movies, I think very few of them will have legs. Like, I think the Dark Knight will have legs. The second oh, no. Batman. The Dark that Knight, one, that's one Dark of the best Knight movies of the decade. That's not a comic yeah. book film. Dark Knight. But it's still a superhero movie. It's a though. superhero film, but it is a Chris Nolan masterpiece, and you can watch that movie literally. So over that and one's going to live on. That's I think perfect. Black Panther will live on, and you know, like two or three others. But for the most part, I find these that are the all disposable. ones that had directorial voices were a little more interesting. Uh, you look at Ragnarok, you know, directed yeah. by Taika Waititi, and you get a director who's a really interesting, funny indie director who had this whole career to himself, and then came in and brought that voice into that film. Uh, and you look at James Gunn with Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's the same thing. You get a yeah. guy who had a really interesting career, really interesting voice, and found a way to you know to, you use that voice within the franchise. You never got sucked in, though. I mean, what comic book movie do you want to see from me? I'm just, you must have gotten <laughs> offers. You never got called into. 
Uh, I mean, yes, but I, 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 there was an early call about Justice League and uh, I mean, John Favreau is directing Lion King too. I mean, at this point, I don't know what Favreau's makes sense made for a director. bunch of great movies in the in that arena, though. And I, and EVI, he clearly was drawn to it, and he created the voice of that. I mean, you look at Iron Man, and that's the beginning of the voice. You look at but Robert how did he get Iron Man? He was like the guy from Swingers. No, no, no. But there was other films before that. I mean, he had already kind of started in that direction, you know. Uh, he had already done Alf. He had already done Zithra. He had already done Cowboys and Aliens. And he had already done a Missing One. There's another big movie in there. He had he was moving he in that direction. He should have the podcast for us, right? <laughs> in spare time. Maybe he, get you on the big picture with But fantasy. he was in that direction. He wanted to uh, clearly make larger films. And, and then he just hooked it you know he did iron man and then uh and then the the jungle book was just kind of insane i mean i don't know how the hell he directed that and you you're just you're all human beings <laughs> that's your move i mean that's what i'm obsessed with i mean you got to kind of do what you're obsessed with right I and mean, those yeah. are the stories you want to tell and look those stories are really hard to tell right now have you I done- feel like I'm standing on the front lines of of a kind of filmmaking that is getting the shit beaten out of it because uh, there's there's all the success in Netflix style television right now. There's a huge success in comic book style filmmaking and cheap horror movies. Uh, yeah, but to make uh, to make kind of small to medium sized movies about adults, there is literally no market for that right now, and that's uh, that's yeah, it's tricky. Tommy, it looks like I get to name drop my Matt Damon pot again. I think this is like the eighth time I've name dropped it. He was talking about Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. They did a great podcast with Matt Damon. Yeah. And how the 15 million to 70 million movie is now gone. And that if you want to make those, you can, but it's a fight and you have to fight for every dollar. And then you have no idea if people are going to see it or not. And they were making Manchester by the Sea and they knew it was great. And (laughs) A, they ran out of money. To mm-hmm. film the final seat they wanted, and then B, they had no idea if anyone was going to. That movie actually did some business, interesting. And it, it did. It ended really up doing well behind it, and but they didn't know that when they made it. I mean, uh, no, it's it's a total gamble, and you have no idea. Oh, and look, the other thing is, the world's brutal right now, so people yeah. don't look. They I, and I get it, you know, like it, it. It's much easier to go see a Captain America movie right now than have to think about. Uh, what's happening every day in real life. Yeah, but that, see, that's what makes me mad because I think movies should reflect what's going on in the country. I agree. When you think of like the movies that we grew up loving in the 70s or that that we right. just watch forever. And they there's this whole run where, you know, everybody was so skeptical of government and mm-hmm. conspiracies and all right. that. And that all bled into movies. And then you had like the Vietnam era after that. Right where it's like these vets coming back from Vietnam. And then that led to like eight years of movies about that theme. But I think we're doing that in television instead of film right now. Like if you look at the success success of Game of Thrones right now, uh, yes, that show is incredible and well acted and has beautiful visuals and all that. But also it's about the frightening fight for power, which is what we're seeing internationally. Like you look at Game of Thrones and it completely reflects what's happening on the international scale. Uh, You look at House of Cards and the success that they had there. Um, I think a lot of that is happening in television now. You, You dipped into television a little bit. Yeah, I did a show called Casual for Hulu. Yeah, people like that one. Yeah, it's a good show. I, I have to admit, I, I don't understand tele, and I'm about to do something else. Diablo and I are going to do a show for HBO. So, what? Yeah, is that announced yet? That has been. It's. Not, I'm not breaking anything here. Oh. Apologies, but uh, that has been announced. But yeah, Diablo's writing a pilot. I'm to direct it. Uh, David Spade's going to be the star of it. It's going to be great. But 
Uh, now we got his got attention. Got a reaction from nephew. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the nephew. Jesus. Uh, there you go. Didn't care about uh, David, but know. David Spade uh, is back We in. finally got the young people back. Right. But Th- Thanks for um, showing up, Kyle. My, my issue with TV is that it just doesn't end. Like, for me, the whole point of a story is how it ends. You get to the end of the story, you do the final punch, you push the audience out the door of the theater, and now they look at their lives through the lens of the movie. TV doesn't do that. TV at the end is just like, all right, come back next week. That's why I liked uh, Bodyguard on Netflix, this British series. Yeah. Six episodes, and it was done after six episodes. They might try to bring it back for a second season, but it was just this arc, and it was basically a seven-hour movie. I haven't watched it. People say I got to watch it. I've been watching- I love Fleabag. Do you see Fleabag? No, but we have a lot of people who like that one. Fleabag's amazing. Fleabag's just absolutely brilliant. I just can't figure out when to watch all this stuff. Because I also have to watch sports, especially yeah, basketball. Like I watch a lot of basketball and I find like I don't have a ton of time to just binge shows. Like I've been watching um, Escape from Dana from oh, Dana how Mora. is that? How is that? The Showtime. Pro- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm all in on all prison shows at all times. <laughs> so I felt like I had to support. You know what I finally watched franchise. for the first time? It was time? really good. Sugarland Express. From way back. Yeah, I, I saw it for the first time this last year. It's amazing. I can't believe it took me so long to watch that movie. It's a good one. That's the cool thing now is is we now have like 50 years of watchable movies. Yeah. You basically start with <laughs> Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Anything before that is probably too dated. Oh, I don't know about um, that. Nice. Well, the Apartment from 1960. No, but I mean like. The Apartment is not watchable? I don't know. Would Kyle watch that, that with his girlfriend? No. No, it's Billy Wilder. The Apartment is amazing. I'd have and to see that one. I don't know. Is, wait, have you never seen it? No, I saw it a million years ago. Oh, I don't it's remember. so edgy. It's about a guy whose apartment is basically used as a place where people at his work can hook up with other women from uh, their work. Like, it's a really edgy I don't know. I don't topic. know if that works in 2018. I know, but that's what makes it so edgy and interesting. And there's this love story at the center that's gnarly with Shirley MacLaine and uh, and Jack Lemmon. That's a great you got to. That's a great movie. You know a movie I just showed uh, my daughter for the first time? What? Breaking Away. That one has aged nicely. That's a great movie. I love uh I love those like the 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 whole the kids coming from the wrong sides of the track against the kids from college, like that whole thing. In the quarry. Great Dennis Quaid, too. You know what I realized watching that movie? Dennis Quaid needs to do more movies where he whines. He's whining through that whole film and it's perfect. Yeah. There's something about him being the quarterback that didn't get picked and he's just kind of whining about the people who got to succeed. And it was after that that we tried to make him to this like tough movie star. Yeah. But it's more when he's complaining and there's something about this he's handsome guy who it. got kind of looked over who's complaining that is so believable. Like you talk about that connective tissue. Yeah. And that thing, whatever that connective thing is in that movie works. I am ready for another great divorce movie. <laughs> what is the great divorce? Are you are you pitching? <laughs> Kramer versus Kramer's. Oh, that's a killer the film. Pinnacle divorce movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a heartbreak. We do movie. we do this podcast called The Rewatchables that people really like. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the 40th anniversary next year. And I think mm-hmm. we're gonna do Kramer versus Kramer, but it's gonna be me and Sean Fantasy and Amanda Dobbins, all of whose parents got divorced. And just it's gonna it's gonna be like a five hour therapy session. <laughs> and now what do you uh, think of Squid and the Whale? Talk about divorce. Another movies. classic. Yeah. Yeah, if there's a divorce channel, you know, like you have like <laughs> Black Stars, and you, know you have what, those like uh, you theme know channels. You know what's a great uh, divorce movie and no one thinks of his divorce movie? What? E.T. Oh, I think that I consider that a divorce movie. You know what? Maybe because your one parents divorced and mine weren't. I yeah. never, I, that, it wasn't until I was older, maybe even divorced myself and I went, oh my God, E.T. is a divorce movie. You knew at the time. My parents got 
separated and I lived with my dad in Boston for two years and my mom moved to Connecticut. Oh, now the Kramer versus Kramer comes out. Now we get it. The same year Kramer versus no! Kramer came out. <laughs> and my dad took me to that movie and we were living together hey, and my mom was hey, in Bill, Connecticut. Let's go see a movie. And it's like- What's the popcorn? It's They're divorced you and like the mom's Dustin gone Hoffman? and it's just them making French toast. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? They have cameras <laughs> in our apartment? Um, yeah, so that hey, one Bill, that one hit me hard. Here's your new favorite movie. You want to see Superman? Now we're going to go see Kramer vs. <laughs> let's, Kramer. Let's go back. <laughs> one more time. Empire Strikes Back? Now nah, I got a better one. You're going to like this, Bill. How old were you? Uh, I was I was 10. Oh my God. Is that what you dressed up for as Halloween that year? The Kramer versus Kramer kid? Yeah, just sad. Um, that's, uh, that is Meryl Streep's greatest performance, uh, in my opinion. And I know she's been nominated uh, for 75 Oscars, but- that's a killer. That part in that movie, mm. she's unbelievable. You never worked with her, right? No. Who's I mean, left on the list? Let's on throw the li- some names I mean, out. The list is huge. You I never worked with Meryl so Streep. Many. She's the greatest actor we have. Uh, no, oh God, Can't you write God, her apart? I would love to work with her. I mean, there's so many. Ben Mendelsohn's a guy I want to work with. You know him? Oh, yeah. yeah Animal Bloodline. Kingdom. And yeah, he's amazing. I mean, Matt Damon. Matt Damon's a guy, you know. I actually pitched him an idea a couple years ago that I really like. Uh, that I still really like. Maybe one day I'll get to work with him. He's... He's available, I think. Uh, um, yeah, he's really talented. Uh, he makes a lot of money. Those and he makes movies that make a lot of money, which is good. I know. It's I got to do one of those Damon. ones where he takes less money. <laughs> you got to do one that's set like in. You got to appeal to his Massachusettsness mm-hmm. somehow. You think so? Yeah, something like where the it's set in Cambridge or something where he would get. He would have to live in Boston while he's making the movie. That's how you get Matt Damon. Do you think? Do you really want to see a movie from me, though, that's authentic Massachusetts? Doesn't that seem a little outside my wheelhouse? I don't know. You've you've made you just made a Gary Hart movie. Was that in your wheelhouse? I don't know. I mean, I, I like when you challenge yourself. I guess so. I, I always feel more comfortable in the Midwest. I think those are my best movies. The, the Midwest, yeah, up Why? in the air, young adult. Uh, what Tully is it about Juno. the Midwest? Um, well, well, young adult was probably one of the five greatest Minnesota movies ever made, right? And Juno's a Minnesota movie five. too. I mean, <laughs> I made them all. I think, uh, except for Fargo, I made them uh, all the other ones. I. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel really comfortable in the Midwest. When I land in the Midwest, I'm really happy. It's Even in the people. plains. Like I get to Omaha, I'm like, I, I'm really comfortable here. It's like the almost famous when uh, they're convincing Russell Hammond to come drink at the high school oh, kid's house. He's like, we're just real Topeka people, man. Yeah. Oh, how great is that movie? It's, it's held up wonderfully and beautifully. That movie is What's sick. weird, though, is the kid in the movie has now grown up and is in a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, Future. Yeah, yeah. he's like acting. I've, has I've, he been in any of your stuff? I've, no, but I've read him before. Like, I've had him come in, and it's kind of clear that it's still him, but he's now like an adult. Yeah, he's like old. He's missing that naivete that he had in that role that was so perfect. The amount of actors that are in that movie... Like uh, like uh, like Jimmy Fallon as oh the manager. God. Jimmy Fallon's amazing yeah, in that movie. Great. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is is just heartbreakingly good. That's the one that got away. Like if if there was an actor, yeah, that I could resurrect and work with, literally all cinema history, you know, Humphrey Bogart, anybody, it would be Philip Seymour Hoffman. I had William Goldman died a couple of weeks ago, and I was going back to find. I wanted to run pieces of a couple of podcasts we did, and one mm-hmm. of the ones we did was right after Hoffman died, which I'd forgotten that mm-hmm. we'd done, and. He was so upset about that. He felt like that was kind of one of the best living actors we had. Oh, God. Do you and remember that mission? Sorry. You go no, on. no. It was just like I'd kind of forgotten like what a loss that was because there's really Jeez. nobody like him. He had his nobody own like corner him. over here. That, um, that kind of heavy, that ability to do that scene in Boogie Nights. Yeah. 
where he shows off his new jacket and his car. The yeah. most uh, the most heartbreaking, vulnerable scene I think I've ever seen. And then the ability to do the opening scene of Mission Impossible 3 with Tom Cruise when he's like, you got a wife? I'm going to find her. I'm going to find I'm going to kill her. You know? Yeah. And it's just, you, and, and like everyone in the audience wants to go to Tom Cruise. Be like, no, he's being serious, dude. He's going to kill your wife. Right. <laughs> you didn't even mention Freddie and talented Mr. Ripley. Oh God, that's Tommy. such a good. How's <laughs> the peeping? He's literally good in everything, and every role is 100 percent different. He's, yeah, it's funny. Know. There, there's two types of actors. I feel like the the ones who they're basically playing a version of themselves in every movie, mm-hmm. and it could be like one or two different. Like Denzel is one of my favorite actors ever. There's really like three Denzels, mm-hmm. and he'll go between those three with whatever movie he's doing. And then there's the type like Hoffman, who's like, I'm just going to become a completely different human being in this movie. Right. And then in this movie, I'm now a completely different human being. Right. And the characters almost have no connection to one another at all. Yeah. I don't know how he does it. I mean, that's a shapeshifter. Who's like that? Yeah. Shapeshifter. That's a great way to put it. So who are the shapeshifters now? Like J.K. Simmons is a great actor, but I always feel like he's a little bit J.K. Simmons in each movie, right? Yeah. The weird thing though, I mean- that said, there was a moment in, in J.K. Simmons' life when he was on Oz and doing Guys and Dolls on Broadway. So Great literally point. during the day, they would like they would draw on his swastika, you know, and he would go be the head of the Aryan Nation, and then he'd get on stage and sing "Luck Be a Lady Tonight." So uh, he has a range, and certainly I think like I've worked him on with him on two films, Whiplash and Juno, where. Like it just like literally, it's hard to believe the same person could True. be the That's father fair. to Juno and then be that maniacal, you know, uh, instructor. So, uh, I guess when you can be an Aryan serial prison rapist, <laughs> yeah, and then do anything else after that, yeah, that you shows. Have some range. That show, but I know what you mean it's not a shape shifting thing. It's not like it. it I was feeling like there's Hoffman a little JK in there. Yeah, yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman. It felt like the DNA actually like converted inside his body. Yeah, and. Uh, and and people would probably say that about Daniel Day Lewis or Mark Rylance, and there's there's actors. What like you think that. of Phantom Threat? Phantom Threat, amazing. amazing. I thought that was out of control. That was sick. I actually would. It made me mad that it wasn't more appreciated. I went. So I saw it twice in the theater. People I never did that. that. Film. I mean, that's a film. You know what I love about that movie? Uh, is that that is a movie that only explains why you watch the movie in the last five minutes. I love movies that do that, where you don't know why you're watching the movie. And then at the in the last five minutes, you go, oh, yeah, that's why. I, I mean, honestly, that is what we were trying to do with Tully. I think that is the kind of the magic trick of, of Diablo's screenplay. Keeping it in, keeping the, you don't keeping know. the viewer in. And then- yeah, you think you're watching a, a movie about a night nanny for the entire thing. And then you realize you're not. Hey, let's talk about FanDuel Fantasy Playoffs fast approaching. At this point, you're either still in your league or you're long gone. And if you're long gone, FanDuel wants you to know there's no shame in walking away when you could go right to Daily Fantasy. I play Daily Fantasy every week, so there's no walking away from me. But at FanDuel, you get the excitement of researching and building your team each week, regardless of the outcome. FanDuel has never been more fun or more easy to play. Trust me, I've tried other DFS sites before. When you're ready for a fresh start, come over to FanDuel, get a $5 bonus when you make first deposit. Pick a new fantasy team every week, get all the fresh starts you need to get back to winning. Come play with me at FanDuel.com slash BS. New users only. Bonus not available for withdrawal. State and age restrictions apply for full eligibility rules and terms and conditions. Go to FanDuel.com. And don't forget to check out Baker Mayfield because I think he's going to have a big week this week. How is uh, the front runner 
you you said you were confused by the last couple of weeks, or not confused, but whatever. Like, what's what's going on? You know, How's it been received? Look, uh, the front runner is the most complicated movie I've ever made. Yeah, just from a pure technical filmmaking point of view, uh, we emulated this 1970s style with like 20 main characters all talking over each other, uh, and little Altman esque. Yeah, and Michael Ritchie. I mean, there's a guy. Yeah. It is. It's a really tricky movie to make, and I think everyone who worked on it worked at the height of their game, including myself, including the actors. Uh, we wrote it during the Obama administration. Yeah. When we thought the future was going to be a little different. Yeah. And as the world has become a more horrible place, it's become a much harder movie to promote, put out there, watch. And and we got, it's funny, you know, half the critics uh, really dig it, and then the critics who don't like it, they dig the filmmaking, they're upset at what they perceive the message to be. Uh, literally, this is, we had a film critic, Morgan Stern, the Wall Street Journal, ended his review saying, uh, and he had said, this is a really well-made movie, and then he ended and he said, this isn't helpful. It's kind of a messed up thing. What does that even thing. mean? Yeah, it's like a messed up thing to say. So, so people wanted you to take this, or that, a person like that, Make a movie that's also trying to say something about 2018. Well, I think what they wanted was me to take a stand and say, journalists are noble and uh, and he made a mistake and he deserved to go down and that's it. And I don't make movies like that. My movies are open-ended. My movies are for, you know, I consider the relationship between a director and the audience to be like, I hand you the baton, you run with it, you decide. It's not. I'm not going to tell you what to think. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Gary Hart, what do you think? That's kind of what the movie does. And I think there was a frustration that I didn't just say, journalists are noble and that is it. We well, even had him on the boat checking out Donna Rice and then you cut to the wide shot of the boat and it's just kind of like shaking in the well, water. Well, I mean, we don't bit. know what happened yeah, on that Yeah, we don't know boat. what happened. I mean, Left it ambiguous. Yeah. I think we kind of know what happened. We actually don't. That's the crazy thing. We actually don't. I mean, why would she go from Florida to Washington to go see him? That's- I agree. Just- Trying to put myself in Gary Hart's position. I agree, but if I meet some woman <laughs> on a boat in Florida, and then she's coming to visit me in Washington, and then I'm trying to explain it to Kyle's crazy aunt, right? My <laughs> wife, Kyle, how'd that one go for me? Oh man, we shouldn't even we shouldn't even tread in these waters. I don't know. Would I, I be dead or just? I think she could happen? kill you. I think she could kill you. She's pretty strong. Yeah, I, I think I lose. The question I lose, is whether it's our battle. business, whether there is such a thing as privacy. And I think that's a worthy conversation. I don't think that's an I don't think that's an open shut case. I think that's worth well, conversation. The, from that moment on, we've decided that there wasn't privacy well, we for anyone who runs for office. A lot of things matter that don't really matter. And we spend then a lot of time talking about things that don't matter. And when we do, we start not talking about things that actually do matter. Yeah. So anyhow, uh so but it's uh it's all kind of mixed up. So it's a look, you spend years making a movie. And then there's this moment when it stops being yours and you kind of hand it over. And uh, and it could be delightful. It could be frustrating. Uh, it could be harrowing. And this one is a confusing one because uh, I think there's kind of a general agreement that it is a well-made movie. Uh, and there's a frustration with the times that we're living in and how it reflects that. Hmm. We should talk before you go about uh, you've mastered the getting people together to read a movie. Oh, <laughs> in front of an audience, yeah. which you actually wrote me into doing once. It was so much fun. It's great, isn't it? Um, you've had some great ones. How many have you done? Like 40, over 40, 
Over 40 in New York and LA? A New York, LA, Toronto, Montreal. We did Big Lebowski in Montreal with uh, the cast of X-Men. We had like Fassbender doing The Badood. Uh, it's his favorite movie. He, he was basically off book. Uh, and uh, we, I mean, we've done an all African-American, Reservoir Dogs had done all female, Glengarry Glen Ross. Next week we're doing Casablanca, all female cast, with an emphasis on uh, LGBTQ uh, cast members. Really? Uh, Ellen Page wanted to do it, and I uh, said, yep, let's do it. We're raising money for Estrella. Uh, tickets available now. Uh, go go uh, come uh, Thursday with the 13th. Uh, the Ace Theater downtown, uh, Thursday the 13th. We have this gorgeous poster, and uh, we have a killer cast, and it's going to be uh, Hannah, Hannah Gatsby, you know, who had this huge Netflix special. Yeah. She's going to be in it, and uh, it's going to be well, a lot of fun. Well, you're... You're not going to offend anyone with this answer. What was the best one? <laughs> that is a very, it's a sincerely hard question to well, answer. One, one of them had to have worked the best. One of them was The Apartment, a movie you should watch again, which we did with- I'm going to watch it We now, did that with Steve Carell and Natalie Portman, and wow. that was insane. Um, uh, we've done The Princess Bride like three different times. You've done The Princess Bride where oh, that's, Carrie Elway's played Wesley, and we've also done The Princess Bride where Carrie Elway's played Humperdinck. And Paul Rudd played Wesley. Uh, uh, God, I mean, we've done so. We've done Boogie Nights twice. We did Boogie Nights with Jesse Eisenberg uh, as Dirk Diggler. Yeah, uh, yeah, with uh, Josh Brolin in the Burt Reynolds role. Uh, we've done. There's been. Can a you lot. do it again? I want to play one of the parts. Yeah, can which I one, the oh, which one? You want to do? Oh, you want to do Boogie Nights? <laughs> I would totally do uh, Boogie Nights again. That's a great. That, it's Jack a fun says one to you read. have a great big cock. Can I see it? <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good performance. Thank I mean, you. you were a little too delighted with yourself. Thank think, you, Eddie. I think, I think he. What made that performance was how flat he said it. Uh, maybe I'd, I could be uh, the guy who's with the girl that overdosed. Oh, <laughs> who gets slapped around by, <laughs> by Burt Reynolds. Yeah, oh, no, he, he gets slapped around by the bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who who killed it in a, like an absolutely crazy way in one of those readings? Uh, oh, you know what was a crazy Because when one? we did ours, yeah. uh, Courtney B. Vance was out of control. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. Uh, that was a tricky one because it was my own script. And, uh, and it was the last one we were doing at LACMA. Yeah. Uh, so that was a kind of an odd emotional night for me. Yeah. So who do, who was the be- who killed it the most? I uh, besides you, yeah. uh, if that's the answer you're looking for, um, was there, there been, one that was absolutely you out know of we did we did an American Beauty oh. a read with um, with uh, Brian Cranston in the lead. Oh, he must have been amazing. Uh, yeah, and Christina Hendricks. Wow, and Adam Driver and Mae Whitman, and that was a. That was a really Mae Whitman's another one year. That was a special people. night. Yeah, she's amazing, and she's just an amazing reader, amazing voice actor. You didn't work her into your last movie. Uh, I am always looking for uh, an uh, an opportunity. Although I, you know, the the role that she would have probably been best suited for, uh, we went with this actress Molly Ephraim, who was she's just really like good. sick in the role. That her her scenes with Donna Rice, played by Sarah Paxton, are some of my favorite scenes in the movie. You got J.K. in there, though, and that's all that matters. Yeah, the only one J.K. hasn't been in so far is Tully, and it, it just it just wasn't there wasn't a place. I couldn't have been a waiter. <laughs> well, you know, guy just won an Oscar. I got to be a little respectful. I can't just kind of like drag him out to do nothing. <laughs> Who's the one who used to put Eric Stoltz in every movie? Was it Noah Baumbach? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know this fact. Eric Stoltz was like his guy. 
And he By was the way, in like his first live read, eight or nine? amazing live read would be Back to the Future script with Eric Stoltz. Oh my God. Wouldn't that be insane? So why can't this be a podcast or a video series or something? Because you can't well, get I mean, the rights. I mean, there's one, I mean, the rights would be a whole will be a whole mess. But also, I like doing this for the audience. I like that this is just for the people in the room. There's almost nothing on earth uh, at this point that is only for the people in the room, and the live read is one. That's a pretty good answer. What are you up to next? <laughs> oh man, sleep. I don't know. I, I just had two movies come out this year. I'm a little tired. You're not. You're not rushing to the next. Well, set? I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this thing with Diablo. We're gonna do this thing for HBO. Uh, I'm writing something. And um, and yeah. Dave, the Netflix series. Of course, we're obviously sixty deep. episodes. We're opening up the writers' President room Dave. next door. And just uh, throw it at your dad at, at, around the holidays. Just bring it up. Like, fair hey, enough. You know, Dad. Uh, I don't know. He would run with it. He would. I, I think he would love that. I think he would. If you well, he's now he's Space Jam. He's going to just pocket insane amounts of cash. They, they don't have him on that. You know, he produced that kind of for hire at Warner Brothers. So he doesn't own any like um, a little. No, anything? that's one of the few things they did. You know, he did not originate that. Just uh, he came in. He did it. He did an amazing job on it. And uh, I remembered that set. I mean, that was kind of crazy. They they built you know this basketball court. At Warner Brothers in one of those, you know, those domes you see like that, like a tennis court will be in like an inflated dome. Yeah. Um, they built one of those inflated domes, built a, a a basketball court inside it in a parking lot on the Warner Brothers lot. And over the course of the shoot, which was in the off season, just insane players, college and pros would oh, just come, come play in Michael. and just play pickup games yeah. while they were shooting the movie. This was It, it was insane. You should have worn your Vucevic jersey. You could have gotten in there. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to ask you, what movies did you watch to um, to shadow how you want to do The Front Runner? The big one is The Candidate, uh, the Michael Ritchie okay, film. Okay, so, I was going to ask because yeah. I felt a little bit of uh, the DNA in there. Yeah, I mean, look, clearly you have to watch Altman movies. You got to watch, you know, Nashville and, and The Player and like and really get a feel for how Altman did that, but there's an electricity to the Richie films. I think Downhill Racer, it's one of my favorite films of all time. That's one of my favorite sports movies. Uh, Downhill Racer, Smile, and uh, The Candidate as a trilogy at the top of someone's career. You guys I seen think The are... Candidate? Yeah. Kyle? You suck, no. Kyle. God. Come on. I could have answered that. Me you think Kyle, dude. Kyle's never seen Dave. You think he's seen The Candidate? Dude? Kyle and I are watching Fast Break over the holidays. I'm really excited about it. Gabe Kaplan? Which one's the most politically incorrect sports movie of all time? What I actually don't remember. What is Gabe Kaplan is a coach? Yeah, in New York, who's trying to get a job in college and ends up getting this job with this Nevada college that um, he's basically allowed to what cheat. What year is this? Nineteen seventy nine. The poster's right behind you. Gabe Kaplan's having a ball, um, so he goes and gets this hodgepodge group of people who really aren't allowed to play Division One college basketball and puts together this super team. And it's fantastic. I, I've never, I mean, you know, movie, the uh, Blue Chips is a good film. Blue Chips has held up nicely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, people forget kind of the cast and the director on We that. did a rewatchables on it like two years ago, and I was surprised how much like, there's I actually, enjoyed it, like how much it hated college basketball. There's good filmmaking in that film. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, you still have a major sports movie. That is true. I've had ideas. Uh, I've had ideas. I worked on a, a, I worked on a baseball idea for a little bit over at um, HBO with uh, Nat Baxson and Jim Rash, and uh, we were really into that, but never quite got that together. It was like a mini; it was gonna be like a five-parter. Um, Remember in like '09, I had that 
MJ documentary I was trying to get you to yeah, mess with. 100%. Now that's becoming... Oh, someone's doing that? The, it's becoming like a 10-hour documentary. That's the Netflix thing. My friend Jason Hare, who did Andre the Giant with me, he's directing it. Really? I am not involved. But yeah, they took all that stuff from that DVD, but now they're blowing it out into the like definitive Jordan 10-hour te- uh, documentary. And this is this is about his period of life when his stardom was so high that he just kind of didn't know how to I think it's about everything live now. as a human being. I think it's about everything now. That was the thing that always interested me is the thing you talked about, like, how does Jordan go shopping? So we- How does he go, how does he, that was how does he go to McDonald's? You know, how does the he- The NBA like, filed Jordan for his last season, 98, mm-hmm. and they made this thing and then did nothing with it for 10 years. Right. And that's when Connor and I got, we met with you and we were trying yeah. to convince you to do it. But uh, then- I, I don't know. I don't know how you would have done it because all we had was that footage and it was kind of dated. And There wasn't enough of it. I remember there watching it and being there. like, the concept is so good, but there's not enough. I mean, what I loved about it was the idea of, you know, what is this guy's real life? Yeah. Like, how does this guy the actually, isolation. how does this guy function? You know, and I had heard stories about, I, during Space Jam, I had heard stories about his poker games and- how you would go to McDonald's. They would sometimes go to McDonald's in a limo. Yeah. And then the driver would order the McDonald's and then they would bring up his window to the window where you actually pick up the food. And right when they had the food ready, he'd lower the window and at the last second, pop his head out and go, thank you, grab the food. And then they would just drive off and they would just hear the screams because they just realized (laughs) they had only an instant to realize, oh my God, that was Michael Jordan. Yeah. I always thought that was the craziest story. Um and his uh, his bodyguard or driver told me that. Um, yeah, I, I think that's what his life was like. So I'm sure the doc's going to get into that. But yeah, that's, are you pissed it's, about that? It's a good what if. Not at all. Really? Not at all. Um, I wish I could be involved, but it's uh, you it's seem a Netflix almost ESPN more thing. than any person I know. Someone who where there's not enough time in the day for everything you want to do. And I know a few people like that, but no yeah. one more than you. We have some really good uh, documentary stuff coming. Uh, some things we haven't announced yet and um, some bigger projects, but mm-hmm. I, I love that space more than ever because I just really understand it now after all these years. Like I understand how to help something. What's the sports movie you want to see? Sports movie? Well, what's interesting is a lot of them have been done already. You know, like we've had all these iterations of all the different sports. And what what happened this decade is they become a lot more focused. You know, like the Mm -hmm. movies that I grew up with were just really like underdog turns around, they win the title, Mm -hmm. you know, or like, and that that just kind of rode sports movies for about 10 years, I would say. But I think documentaries really hurt sports movies. Because if you look at like the late 90s through- the mid 2000s um people made a shitload of sports movies over Mm -hmm. that time it was probably like the most we've ever made well there's that huge disney run disney found a formula for it that really worked for them and then uh there was this whole other there was like a like a teen formula where it was like varsity blues like battle era where there's a lot of those Mm -hmm. and uh and then every actor, kind of every great actor, for some reason, wants to be in a boxing movie. So we always have. That boxing is interesting. I, I don't know. And directors love directing boxing for reasons that I don't totally understand. There hasn't been a great referee movie. No, Forget Paris was the only one. Yeah, and that was not great. And I've always thought that actually, there's room for a great because who, 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 who wants to be a referee? Like, like who, who yeah, from who a child that goes, that's life. the dream one day. And I knew a guy. I knew a guy who. Uh, that I met at the NHL who had been a ref. He'd been a, a linesman 
and got to the level where he was a, a linesman in the um, uh, in the Olympics, and he got scouted. And I remember thinking, that's a crazy idea. The NHL came and scouted you. Yeah, they came to scout me. They came to watch me do a game. And the whole idea of, wait, there's scouts for refs? And they come and watch you the same way they would scout players? Yeah. And they said to him, we think you're almost ready. We think you need a couple more years. And he at the time was like, no, I'm ready to go. And then kind of left the business at that point Jesus. and switched directions. And that idea that, again, like that the NS should be like, you're almost there, kid. You're almost ready to be one of us. Not quite. You need a couple more years of what? You're like a ref in the Olympics. And, um, and- Well, the one thing with sports movies that I think is sitting there because we've never been able to do it before is the CGI is so good now. Mm-hmm. That you could cast anybody, like you could, you could cast, I don't know, Leo DiCaprio and you could make him, you know, you could get the NBA's permission Mm -hmm. and actually like put him on the Chicago Bulls as they make some run and just CGI his face on some six foot three. Do you want to see that? That sounds weird. No, I don't know, but I'm surprised nobody's done that where they're like, hey, part of this gimmick is we're going to use this footage. It's so realistic because it has the whatever. Because if we knew that was superhero movies, we can do a sports movie. I guess movies. so. But do you care about the actual sports that happens in sports movies? I mean, you're asking the wrong person. I I want to form a sports movie consulting company. I get no, so upset. No, but like, do you, is that the part of the movie the that scenes? you, is that the part of the movie that you enjoy the most? Well, I think from a rewatchable standpoint, yes. Huh. Like the last. Like in Bull Durham, one of my favorites. That's probably top but three Costner for me. Costner is great as as a baseball player in that yeah, movie. Yeah, but the baseball, it's the actual baseball that I don't care as much about. It. It's everything else in that movie sure. that I care about. And, and it's the perfect setting. And I love that movie. But whether or not, oh, you know who I just met? Uh, I just met Barry Levinson, who did my DGA screening of Front Runner in New York. And we were talking about The Natural. He loves that movie. And, uh, oh my God, that movie's great. So he goes, he goes, you know, we had no CG. Yeah. So we were moving- like we had a few thousand extras and we were moving them from section yes. to section of the, of the, of the stadium. And, and so they would do like, you just do a shot. The whole thing's boarded hundreds of shots and you just do like a throw, a throw to first. But if the throw is a little left and the camera has to pan a little left to get to the glove that just caught the ball, you would have missed the extras because they only had enough extras to fill the frame at any given time. Right. So the accuracy of every throw had to be dead on the mitt. Because if it goes left, uh, too left, uh, depending or uh, right on the shot, it's like we got to go. Empty seats. We got to go again. It's empty seats. Exactly. You're not going to paint them in. You just got to go again. The first Rocky has that when they have close-ups of the guys, and you can just see all the empty seats. Over oh, their really? Shoulders. Oh, yeah. They didn't even put like false. They didn't even no, put like cardboard they, people or they anything. They shot all the wide shots. They must have done the same thing where they put all the people around the lower part of the ring. Yeah. And then they had to cheat with the other stuff. But yeah, I think. If it's good, I think people people are always going to want to watch a sports movie, and we, and the nostalgia of them, like the younger people that work for me, like Mighty Ducks, is like very sacred for them, and, that, <laughs> and like the some of those from that era, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my generation, you know, I've seen The Longest Yard with Burt Reynolds, like never seen hundred million times. I've never seen The Longest Yard in all those. Would I actually well, like that the hurts my yard? feelings? Why does it's hurt Burt your Reynolds' feelings? greatest movie? Better than Boogie Nights. It's his. I just want to go no, on no. record. This no, is no, better no, no, than no. Boogie Nights. I'm not saying the movie itself. I'm saying his performance. His best performance. He's he's the most Burt Reynolds in the longest. Wait, to, I know you've been asked a million times, but give me your top three sports movies. Oh, it changes. Current today. I don't know. I don't. I don't have the list. I I can't answer that question just 
that is a throwaway answer. Be like if I, I just, asked you what your three favorite movies are, you wouldn't be able to just answer. Shampoo, shampoo. Still, I love that movie. It's a great one. Have you? When was the last time you watched Heaven Can Wait? I've only watched that a few times. I it's, like it. I like Kevin Coy. Don't get me wrong. Great film, but like it's shampoo for me. That's the uh Evan Kuwait's fun because the Rams win the Super Bowl at it. Yeah. And uh he Tell comes, me why that matters. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not a big it's enough just football. Because the Rams like, came back to LA and the same oh, uniforms and I they're see, playing in the see. same thing, but he comes basically back from the dead to become the quarterback. And I just saw I was in Italy at a film festival and I went to a soccer game, a Juventus game. Yeah. That was insane. Make a soccer movie. Uh, what's okay? What's the best soccer movie ever made? Uh, victory. Victory. The better last than, better than uh, Bennett like Beckham. Yeah, Bennett like Beckham has some issues. <laughs> I haven't the seen problem that since with it came soccer, out. especially um, a movie like that, is the lead the lead girl just was obviously not a great soccer player. Now I watch way too much soccer, so I can tell when they're cheating. But yeah, it's a lot of like close ups of you know that's issue. But victory. The last 25 minutes of victory. Mm-hmm. Th- here's, I'll give you, this is a hardcore opinion. Adam. All right. The last 25 minutes of victory mm-hmm. is the greatest section of any sports movie ever. Wait, why? It's phenomenal. First of all, John Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, everything leads to this game of the allies against the Germans. Mm-hmm. And it's filmed. They filmed it widescreen. Mm-hmm. Pele's in it. Sly Stallone is the goalie for some reason. Yeah. But they actually have all these great players from that era. Yeah. And like Werner Roth is the uh, opposing captain of the German team. Mm-hmm. And they filmed it. They actually had the guys play. So he went widescreen. So for years it was on cable and they had to square it. So the game was like impossible to watch. Yeah, yeah, but now yeah. the TVs are correct. And it has some of the best sequences like it's just so rewatchable it's amazing huh. it's actually one of the very few movies i bought just so i have it on my ipad so like, yeah bang out 25 minutes of, air, of victory on the really? airplane really yeah i i think i saw that once as a kid i barely remember it i'll it's watch that again so good the last 25 minutes are like the pinnacle but i i think i still think rocky three might be my favorite sports movie right now though just start to finish really it's kind of perfect yeah it's, it, it hits all the beats. It foreshadows every trend that's going to happen with sports movies for the rest of mankind. It has like two really dramatic Better turns. than Bull Durham. Better than Slapshot. Slapshot better is than, a little slow now. Slapshot's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's slow. I'm just saying, like, I'm talking about rewatching something for the 330. Better than time. Breaking Away. I don't feel like that's a sports movie as Whoa! much as a movie. How is that not a sports movie? It's a movie. It's is, a movie with sports in it. Are you just saying that cycling's not a sport? No, I'm just saying it's a movie with some cycling in it. The whole movie is cycling. Nah, there's a lot of like it Indiana ends, stuff. It and, ends, well, yeah, because every good movie should, it, you got to recognize the difference between, you know, your plot and your location, but the, the whole end of it is a race i have this is gonna hurt your feelings but it's not even my favorite cycling movie i am hurt i'm legitimately hurt wait hold on let me try to figure out your favorite cycling movie uh it's a no-brainer it's a classic uh silver streak silver whatever i was called uh american flyers kevin costner american flies (laughs) it is an (laughs) all-time that is not better than oh it's so much better (laughs) oh come on Breaking Breaking Away is a better movie. American Flyers is a better sports movie. American Flyers is phenomenal. 
So good. Oh my God. John Amos is the dad. <laughs> Listen, sports movie versus movie can be two different conversations. That Blue- is an interesting thought. Okay. Okay. So best baseball movie is? Here's my issue with Bull Durham. Oh, tell me. It's it's a little too much of a rom-com for me. It's it it is the kind of movie that has been on the Lifetime channel. Bull Durham is about everything that matters. It has Tim Robbins who can't even like get his arm over his head. He's supposed to be a star pitcher. You're right. I'm never going to know if he can pitch or not. Like I I'm it's, not it that has person. Some... I'm not going to I'm not going to but that oh, that movie's perfect. The script on the movie is perfect. Field of Dreams? Lovely. Lovely and charming. But Bull Durham gets into the real stuff. Bad News Bears and Breaking Training, the second one. <laughs> Bad News Bears is actually directed by Michael Ritchie, the guy I was talking about yeah. earlier. And I, that first I, one's who great. I adore. The, that's like super politically that correct now. Gnarly. My, yeah. exactly. My son loves it. He's like, this is amazing. <laughs> the shortstop's telling people to fuck off. You cannot, it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to imagine what they accomplished in that movie. They remade it like 30 years later with Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, Richard Linklater they, directed that. And they made it They made it the politically correct. How about the baseball movie that Richard Linklater just directed? So that is. Is a great film. That is a great film. It's everybody wants them. It is gaining steam. My staff likes it, and I feel like that's gonna it. Better. Motiv- that movie. The other is thing, so he good. cast it amazingly, and yeah. some of the people in that movie now, like uh, Glenn Glenn Powell, Glenn Powell, yeah, and then Zoe Zoe Deutsch, yeah, Zoe Deutsch, Zoe Deutsch, yeah, d- daughter of Howard Deutsch and Leah Thompson, right. And mm-hmm. then um, the guy with the mustache is gonna be somebody. I think the guy who plays the best baseball player. Yeah, 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 There's yeah. a whole bunch of people that I think They're have all a chance pop. to. That movie is so good, and it kills me that it 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 came out at a weird moment for Paramount. Yeah, where there was kind of regime change, and they they did not put enough energy behind it. And listen, don't shed any tears for Link later. He's fine. I shed plenty of tears for Link he's, later. He's he's one of our most brilliant filmmakers, I know, and he's, he's fine. often ignored. We don't talk about him the way we talk no, about we Quentin. T- we talk about him We don't enough. talk about him the way we talk about Quentin and Scorsese, and he has given That's us fair. just as much. He Look, this is the guy who gave us Slacker, Days and Confused. He gave us the entire before. Days and Confused has gotten... I mean, that's probably his most the famous three before movie movies before Sunrise, Before Midnight, uh, uh, Before Sunset. He gave us Boyhood. Uh, he gave us the well, Boyhood. He movies. got his thing. I know, but my point I'm is with like you. he's the, one of the best the last thirty oh, years. But don't pay, everybody know? Doesn't everybody know that? Though? They don't talk about him. Like you, t- you ask young people about like, oh, what you know? Who are the best directors? And they'll they'll talk about PTA this sound, and they'll this talk sounds about like sports talk arguments where it's like people don't talk about Russell Wilson enough. The, uh, it's by like, the sure way, we do. Russell Wilson's way. really good. <laughs> I just want to see him get his due. And I think that baseball movie's amazing. How would you, we're going to do the before series for rewatchables this year. Oh, that movie, the, that. Do we have to do three separate podcasts? We have to, right? You just got to do three in a row. Uh, I mean, I don't want to tell you how to do your business that, uh, but the, uh, there's a lot to be said, although you're going to end up intermingling. That's the only thing. Yeah, it's like, you're going to be in the first one. You're already going to be talking about the next one. You know, he's one of my favorite podcasts I had this year. Who link? Ethan Hawke. I mean, that guy's wild. He was, in, he was, honestly, he was incredible. He was so ready to talk about everything. He's taller like than after, you always think. You, taller. I, you always taller. expect him to be like, yeah. kind of, I don't know why, but I imagine him as kind of a kind of slight wiry dude. And he's like a big dude. Right, he's like 6'1". Um, what was cool about him, a lot of times, directors are different because you put a lot of thought into mm-hmm. what the product was after the fact and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And a lot of times with actors, they don't want to really go backwards. 
they right. they make the movie and that's it. They just move on to the next one. It's work. Right. They don't really they don't really care. They're they don't like, want to watch next? it. Well, they want to watch. They yeah. get mad when they watch it. They pick apart their performance. When I ask an actor, you know, what they thought of a film, the general response is the first time they watch a movie they're in, all they look at is their hair. Yeah. The second time they watch it, they just and watch the one their performance in their face yeah. that they didn't realize. They and then it's the third time where they actually watch the movie. Right. It takes them three times. So what was cool about Ethan Hawke? He had this whole perspective on the movies he's made, like his perspective now, how he felt at the time. But then he would talk, like he was talking about, I think it was Reality Bites. And he was like, I was just watching it recently. <laughs> and what really stuck out, I was like, that's so cool. You watch your own movies. Like, I would totally do that. <laughs> but uh, but he really he really had opinions on them. And it was, it was just refreshing because most actors just go forward. Well, I mean- I would say your life with a movie kind of has three chapters, right? Yeah. There's the chapter where you're making it and you have this idea in your head. You have this thing you want to say, but nobody knows yet. Yeah. Then there's a second chapter where now the movie doesn't belong to you. Now the audience has it. They're making their own opinions about it. And it's weird because you've had this thing inside your head and it's been so personal. And now someone else is talking about it. And then there's this third chapter where down the road, and this has only started to come to me, where you watch it again and now- you're balancing what you originally thought, which is harder to remember now, what you remember people like saying and the way they talked about it. And now you're trying to watch a clean and it has this new weird mix of, oh, that's why they said that. That's why they thought But it's that. also got to be like a home movie too, right? No. Where it's like, oh, I remember when we filmed that yeah, scene. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. That happened and yeah. the key grip threw up on the camera. We did a screening of Up in the Air where we had all the keys uh, like on stage in front of an audience as they showed the movie and we all had mics and we just told stories from the making of the movie. As like a, a director's commentary. Yeah, but like live for an audience and and with more people. Like director's commentary, you always just get the director, you know, you know, prattling yeah. on about, you know, their no, philosophy. No, like on the DVD where they have all the different I know voices. what you mean, yeah. but like, uh, but usually the director's commentary is just the director. Here we had like, we had our dolly grip. You know, we had the stills oh, wow. bugger. We had like people who were like, yeah, that was the day when this happened. You remember? And they would just tell stories. So what rewatchables do you want to do with us? I'll just send you the list. All right. I'm going to make you come in. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to presume that you've done a lot of the ones that I would probably You would love the way we up. do this podcast because we separate it by categories and it's it's good. You'll, oh, you'll, I'm in. You'll like it. Uh, this was fun. It was great to see you. <laughs> it's good to see good you. Good luck too. with the movie. Thank you. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that. We'll say hopefully people will watch it down the road. Well, award season's coming. Oh man, I think we're out. I think uh You're out? I think so, yeah. I think that's how it kind of happens. I don't Hugh's out. I think Hugh Hugh is amazing in the movie, and I think he should get recognized and hopefully he will be. Uh but that's how these things go. I and mean, you gotta be a little bit realistic about it. And you gotta know when a film connects and when a film doesn't. And and it's not necessarily because the film was great or not great. Uh, you know, uh, young adult did not connect. Eventually it did. Labor Day will probably never connect. I think I have to kind of like put that one to bed. That's like, that's how life goes. And right now, I think we've made a really special film that, uh, look, it, I don't want to watch a political movie right now. I don't blame other people for not wanting to watch a political movie right now. But hopefully one day they will and they'll see what we did. Even if Labor Day didn't connect, you still got to hang out with Brolin for a couple months. And you know what? And we were in Massachusetts in the summer. I went swimming in Walden. It was a great time. Would Brolin be a good podcast? He's great. I mean, sharp, funny, great memory. And Gotta get him on. We I had mean, him and he uh, had to cancel, right? Oh, uh, he's because he's a child actor too. I want to get into he's that. He's got whole a ton thing. of stories, and he's fascinating and funny, and has spent time with so many people. He's been in so many rooms. 
uh, and is really smart. He's an artist, photographer. I mean, he's just an interesting guy. If he's single and Clooney's- Great surfer. Like, just like weird, like, elements of his life you wouldn't know. If he's single and Clooney's single, and they're both going for the same girl in a, in a bar, who gets her? I mean, it depends on the girl. I mean, that's like, that, I mean, you're talking about like- the, Two all-time the, heavyweights. Yeah, the, the ultimate of two types, you know? So it depends on kind of, you know, what you want. I think Brolin's got very classic. They're both handsome and they both make you laugh and they're both kind of mischievous in the right way. Where I mean, do you stand on him in No Country for Old Men? One of my favorite movies the last that 12 years. Amazing. That movie's amazing. That's a movie where you have, you know, you talk about like, I, well, I'll tell you, you know, directors when they really have their fastball, right? Where it's just like, uh, I think directors and pitchers are often like, can, are in the same category of like, can you... Can you do exactly what you want with the ball right now? Yeah. And that's a moment where the Cohen brothers, they are putting the ball wherever they want. They are making they are throwing it exactly the way they want. There is so much casual confidence to the making of that movie. Uh that you just sit back and you're like, all right, you guys are genius. Like, what do you want me to do? It's one of like the eight best movies of this century, in it's my opinion. Phenomenally made. There's a couple there, like no brainer, and like, it kind of turns into there. humor, and then it turns into horrifying. At the, like, and it just they're doing it so casually. And they don't show that Josh the Brolin thing die. It, they're brilliant. They're they're absolute, like fuck it, we're not showing it. They're they're brilliant. Have you watched their new thing, The Buster Scruggs on uh, Netflix? No. Got to watch it. I mean, there's so much interesting, wild. You just gave me filmmaking. like forty things to watch. I don't. How am I going to, I got to watch the By apartment. By the way, same with me. I got to go watch V and Rocky 3. <laughs> victory. Is it you got to watch Victory. Isn't it victory? called V? Is it the? No, Victory. It's called Fast victory. Break. Why do I think it's called V? Is there a giant V on the poster? Yeah. Oh, it's all their hands. They're all their yeah. arms are in the, mo- in the in the position of a V. Victory. That's why. Sly Stallone. Classic. Jason <laughs> Raymond, thank you. <laughs> Always a pleasure. <laughs> All right, thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to HBO. Don't forget to set your DVR for Momentum Generation, December 11th. Thanks to FanDuel. If you're not a fantasy expert, FanDuel is the place to play. At FanDuel, you get the excitement of researching and building your team each week, regardless of the outcome. Come play with me at FanDuel.com slash BS. Get a $5 bonus when you make first deposit. FanDuel.com slash BS. New users only. Bonus not available for withdrawal. State and age restrictions apply for full eligibility rules and terms and conditions. Go to FanDuel.com. And thanks to the New York Times Crossroad. Got two minutes? Play the New York Times mini crossroad. It's a fun way to stay sharp when you're not busy. The satisfaction of solving is endless. Wordplay every day. Take a break with the mini. It's time well spent. I'm going to make my dad do this, and then I'm going to have my dad's review. Download the New York Times app at NewYorkTimes.com slash mini. We are back on Sunday night, me and Sal action-packed weekend. I can't wait to see what happens. Enjoy the weekend. Stop raining.